in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back in. It is April, my dudes. Uh, <laughs> April. It's April. April 6th. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, it, we've taken a couple weeks off. Uh, to be honest, I needed a couple weeks off for some personal reasons. It was uh, nice to have a bit of a break, focus on uh, life. Uh, but here we are back again. The sports world did not stop without us, Mitch. And so uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about. And it is a great time of year because baseball kicks off this week on Friday, I believe the 8th of April. Uh, so we'll have baseball this weekend. The NBA regular season wraps up at the uh, this weekend. So the play in tournament will be next week. And then the NBA playoffs, the first round will be getting underway here shortly within the next week or so. Uh, and then, uh, sorry, just, I just lost my place. <laughs> give me a second. Give me a second. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then Mitch, uh, you know, the granddaddy of them all, the masters this weekend. I mean, come on. I love masters weekend. There's nothing like it. It is incredible. Tiger's back. And we'll talk about that, but I mean, it is a great time for sports right now. And we've got a loaded podcast. For you today, first and foremost, uh, Mitch, explain the people the hat today. I'm trying to make out the 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 image, the mascot on the mat on, on the hat through Zoom. Can't really tell. Kind of looks like a duck. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, it would be uh, the Down East Wood Ducks, which would be a single A affiliate of, I believe, the Texas Rangers. Um, wow. So yeah, it's kind of a neat little. I love collecting minor league hats because they're so fun and different and quirky a little bit. So. You know, this is one of one of the one of the uh, minor league hats that I have, and I, I decided it, it felt like a Down East Wood Ducks kind of day. So it's it's a good one. Mitch has quite the collection. If you don't know him personally, uh, quite the collection of hats there. Uh, minor league hats. It's it's a cool thing because there are some quirky teams. That, I mean, we've talked about this, right? I think you've done a top five on on oh, yeah. uh, team names, right? I mean, that's include quite a bit of that. Yeah, I. I, I got a few of my checklist I want to get uh, coming up here pretty quick, but who's next um, up. What's next up on the list for the hats? Wh- who are you, who are you fiending for? I'm thinking the Hartford yard goats. Um, great, great logo. Yeah. Um, the Akron rubber ducks is another one. Classic. Um, yeah. Which is sticking with the duck theme. The duck, a duck is probably my favorite animal. I'm not going to lie. You were, in, you know, prior to your, let's not acknowledge your prior to the crimson tide days, but before that you did sort of root for Oregon, right? So I, I, mean, I yeah, I felt like I just needed to pick a team and I picked the Oregon ducks. I little known fact. I had two pet ducks growing up. 
uh, Diesel and Dugan. Uh, rest in peace, both of you guys. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm a duck guy. I love yeah. ducks, and uh, so um, yeah. But those are two I'm probably looking at. Those are two I'm probably looking at next. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. It well, looks that or great. The, or the El Paso Chihuahuas is another one. Which oh, we saw, that's a good one. Remember, we saw them play the Rainiers up in Tacoma yes. that one time. So. Yes. Yes, we did. Yes. When, that's, I heck, and, when I heckled the hell out of Jamal Weeks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We heckled. Uh, we've, I've never been more annoying in my life. Uh, <laughs> I think the whole stadium hated us, but we had a great time. We got we a heckled, warning. We did. We got a warning, and we heckled, like, minor league baseball players. I mean, like, before <laughs> could you? <laughs> I mean, that's just a great time. Uh, but you know what, Mitch? Uh, this is great. You look beautiful. It's good to it's good to be back with you. Let's 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 just get this thing started. How how, how about it? I like the sound of that, my friend. Let's get into the news and don'ts around the world of sports. Let's get into the yeah. Before we start, I, I meant to ask you this. Mm. I forgot. Have you, you're not a Wordle guy. We talked about this, right? You believe no. that someone's stealing your information through Wordle, so you don't want to do it. But but have you heard about some of the side games that have come off of this? No, most notably, and I want to know if our listeners have been playing this as well, Weddle, the NFL player uh, Wordle game. Have you heard of this? Have you been I have haven't checked heard it of, out? I haven't heard of Weddle, but I've heard of, Portal. Yes, Portal, which is the, which NBA. Is the NBA one. Yes. Yeah. Have you checked? See, I have. I've. I heard of Portal. I didn't want to check it out. Uh, I didn't do the NBA one. Did you the look N- at it at all? No, Tried I it? still think Russia is trying to steal my information. So okay, wait, yeah. maybe. But you know what? I. Weddle I gotta was, be. I gotta be stopped being such a comp- conspiracy theorist. I will check out Weddle. I'll you check should out Weddle. because I I heard it was started by two high school students actually, uh, who you know Russian w- Russian high school students. Yeah, yes, Vladimir okay. and I, Ivan yeah. Ivan uh, started it. E- Igor and Igor. <laughs> Igor. Uh, no, uh, it started by two high school, and it's just Wordle, but for NFL players, it's. Uh, if you play on a hard mode, it's a little more extensive. The the basic version, it only takes skill position players uh, and quarterbacks, and you have to guess the division that they're in, the position, their height, their uh, their wow. age, and their jersey number. And those are the factors, and it tells you how close you are. And uh, it is pretty fun. I I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I I've been playing Weddle for maybe about the last uh, week or so. I've been playing Wordle for like two months straight and i also play now get this this is next level i play a game called global which is a game where you guess the country and it's a giant globe and it tells you based on the color how close your guess is which means how close the country you guessed is to the actual correct country and you have to guess from there it's extremely difficult uh because most of the time it's some random ass island nation in the pacific it's just impossible to guess. Uh, so but that's where I'm at on those. It's quite a it's quite a chore every day to to kind of you know hit those tasks. I think I can get behind those two because I I'm not a word guy, but I'm a name guy. Yeah, so that makes any sense. So yeah. like the sports one, I, you'd be great at. Honestly, I think I could. I think I could get behind that. I'll have to check yeah. that. Is it an app or is it like it, a it's website? just on the website? Just Google like the Weddle game, you know, Weddle uh, game, and we'll check on Mitch next week to see how. Uh, 
how the Weddle's going. I'm not going to lie. I did miss one. I didn't want to bring this up, but I did fail to get it one day. Uh, very embarrassing. One of the lowest moments of my life, but uh, we could, you know, we, we, we try our best. Um, you know, we try our best. I've got, I've got uh, an 80% win, win rate right now. It's not great. It should be a hundred, hey. but it's fine. Uh, Mitch, let's talk about some NFL news. We're going to start the podcast off with a bunch of NFL news uh, that has happened over the last couple weeks. Most of this is a little bit older uh, news. Not a lot of recent stuff in the NFL right now, as we gear up towards the NFL draft at the end of this month. But uh, Mitch to start, let us discuss the situation in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians stepping down as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach after three seasons. He's reportedly, uh, or excuse me, the team has announced he's moving into a front office role. And in his place is defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. Uh, Bowles will have a new five-year contract with the Bucs. So this isn't some sort of, you know, temporary thing. He's the next uh, guy in charge there. And, and Bruce Arians will, uh, you know, presumably stick around for, uh, you know, maybe a couple years in the front office. He is 69 years old. He has had some health issues. And so, uh, you know, who knows how long he kind of sticks around, co- you know, the team and the org- and just football in general before he steps away. But uh, the timing of this is very fascinating, right? The Bucks have had such a weird offseason, right? First, Brady retires, and then he, like, doesn't retire. And now Bruce Arians basically retires, like, after Brady had retired and unretired at this point, like, now Todd Bowles is in charge and Bowles had interviewed for other jobs uh, in the offseason, didn't get any of them, stayed with Tampa Bay. And now he takes over here. I do like the retaining of somebody in, in-house. I think Todd Bowles is more than capable. Uh, not a great stretch in New York with the Jets, right, when he was the head coach there. But I think a second chance is fair for him and what, a better, what better position to be in uh, than with this Tampa Bay team in, in this organization sort of taking over for Arians. So I like this. The timing is weird to me, uh, but I think this is a fine move uh, and sort of makes sense, I guess, for the organization. Mitch, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a great situation for Todd Bowles to get a second chance. He gets Tom Brady back after a fake retirement, and you know he's in the pit of misery for, for that, the, the fake retirement, becoming the next Brett Favre. But um, – the right guy, the right guy got the job at the end of the day, Bruce Arians, you know, he was one of the older coaches in the NFL. We kind of anticipated that maybe the end was near for him, even though the, the, the recent success, um, Todd Bowles got dogged kind of a little bit in New York. He wasn't given a great situation. Um, and he kind of made the best of what he had, uh, there. So, uh, for him to lead this great defensive team that he's led in, Tampa Bay now getting the head coaching opportunity, a second chance uh, that he rightfully deserves. Um, this is a, this is the right move, not only for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but um, also a, a probably best case scenario for Todd Bowles, because now he's not only getting a head coaching opportunity, but it's in a system and with an organization that he's been familiar with over the last few years. Yeah. And I, th- I, you know, I really appreciated Bruce Arians, uh, comment specifically on Todd Bowles. And this is what he said, quote, I wanted to ensure when I walked away that Todd Bowles would have the best opportunity to succeed, to succeed. So many head coaches come into situations where they are set up for failure. And I didn't want that for Todd End quote. So 
stepping away now and not leaving him in this one year window where he's sort of a placeholder for the next regime, right? Or in this transition period, as you mentioned, Tom Brady still there. This team largely is still intact and they will be in a winning window for the foreseeable future until Tom Brady ultimately does decide to walk away. Right. And even then there are foundational pieces uh, that you could stay competitive. Right. And so this is a good situation for Todd Bowles. Appreciate Bruce Arians for looking out for not only a fellow head coach, but also a minority head coach in this league uh, where we've seen issues with minority coaches and ongoing issues and disputes there. Uh, so cool of areas to look out here. Great position for Todd Bowles to uh, be in. And I think this isn't going to hurt Tampa Bay in any way. I would expect much of the same next year. Uh, you know, Byron Leftwich is still there. He's still in charge of the offense, right? Todd Bowles is there. He'll very much be involved in this defense. So a lot of the same for Tampa Bay, but it is, will be a new era for the Bucks. Well, and this says a lot about Bruce Arians, the man, right? Because we see a lot of older head coaches that are kind of trying to le- achieve that last little bit of glory before they leave. And they don't really leave the situation in the best state uh, when they leave those situations. I think we're seeing that right now with Pete Carroll in Seattle. Like we're, we're not seeing him leaving that franchise in the best condition um, for, for the successor. And uh, Bruce Arians did a great job of leaving this, you know, this this organization, this program that he's kind of built up in Tampa Bay in great condition for Todd Bowles to have a smooth transition to the head coaching job. So I think this says a lot about Bruce Arians, not only as a head coach and a football guy, but also as, as a man off the field as well. Yeah, I'm with you there, Mitch. Uh, on to our next bit of news here. We did have a uh, pretty big trade in the NFL. This one, a, a, a swap of draft picks. New Orleans Saints uh, gave up their number 18 pick in this draft. Uh, a future first, a, 20, a 2023 first, a 2024 second, and then a third and a seventh in this year's draft. All of that to acquire two first-round picks in this year's draft, the 16th and 19th, alongside a sixth-rounder from the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Eagles had three picks in this draft before this trade. They had the 15th, the 16th, and the 19th pick. They now have the 15th pick and the 18th pick, and they will also have an extra first-rounder from the Saints next year, a future second rounder, the New Orleans Saints uh, here then pick up two first rounders, moving up a couple spots from that 18 to 16, uh, giving them some ammunition potentially. And that's kind of where I want to start. So let's talk about the Saints side of this, Mitch. This very much screams to me. Uh, one, I, I, I think it's a, I, I like the move. I like the move for a couple of reasons. One, the Saints are in a transition, right? And they don't have a long-term answer at quarterback, right? They've brought back Jameis Winston. Uh, They've now signed Andy Dalton. Reportedly, Taysom Hill's moving to full-time tight end. So there goes my Taysom Hill quarterback dreams. You You can piss on my grave all you want for that. I was wrong. And it's a shame, but I digress. Uh, but there's no long-term option right at quarterback for New Orleans. They missed out on Deshaun Watson. So acquiring two first-round picks, mid-round first-round picks, potentially gives them the ammo to move up into the late half of the, of the top 10 
and snag one of the top quarterbacks off the board, whether they're moving up with Carolina, with the Giants who have uh, multiple picks, with the Jets who have multiple picks, uh, maybe even Atlanta, whoever it is willing to move back. Now you have the necessary ammo to make a move. If you love Willis, if you love Pickett, if you love whoever it is and they start slipping and they get to that spot, you feel comfortable. You have that ammunition. And if not, Mitch, now you could take two starting caliber players for a team that needs to have uh, weapons and needs good players around their quarterback, which is pretty sus right now. So adding an offensive lineman, adding a pass catcher. Uh, I mean, you could do a lot of things with those two first round picks uh, that would help your team. So win, win either way, I think uh, for new Orleans there. And I, I, but I believe this is a move to be in a place to make that move for quarterback. I don't think the saints are done. This screams quarterback to me. Um, and I think it's actually with the second pick at like 18 um, because we see, a, we're, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot and mocks are totally speculative, right? They're, they're just kind of what we think someone will do. Um, but this is around that time that Kenny Pickett range, that 18th pick where I think that, you know, we could see them make a move for if they like Kenny Pickett. I think Malik Willis might be gone by 18, um, but Kenny Pickett's probably the second best quarterback off that board. Um I could see a very real scenario where they try to trade up with the 16th to go get a defensive piece, a, d- a defense that has struggled off often over the last few years, maybe bringing a defensive back or, or a second level guy. Um, and then go get a Kenny Pickett or a Matt Corral or, or something, you know, something that you like at that 18th pick, because that's kind of, where a lot of that second quarterback off the board is going right now is kind of that mid to late first round. So um, you're, you're absolutely right. This this pick screams quarterback to me, um, but moving that 16th in order to maybe trade up for a few spots to go get a defensive piece that you really like. Yeah, it certainly gives them flexibility, right? I think that's the ultimate goal here for New Orleans, uh, just to make sure there's uh, clarity there. So they did trade the 18th pick for 16 and 19. Oh, sorry. So the Saints will be yeah, yeah, 16. at 16 and 19. The Eagles will be at 15 and 18. So those two teams will really control the middle of this draft. It will be interesting to see what both teams do. Uh, and as you said, Mitch, uh, I mean, they might not have to move up to get a quarterback. It depends on who they like uh you're seeing a lot of uh a draft analysts and insiders start to mention desmond ritter as a guy that teams are high on more maybe more so than uh people expect a guy who might go in the top 20 so perhaps uh just acquiring that extra first rounder makes it so you don't have to only take the quarterback with that original 18th pick that you've had. Now you could take a defensive player, as you mentioned, alongside a project at quarterback. Uh, So New Orleans will be an interesting team to watch in this draft. And as for the Eagles, uh, you know, having three picks in the mid first round was never ideal, right? I mean, when you acquired those picks, you're hoping maybe they're a little higher, uh, certainly valuable, but to move two of those picks essentially for future first and a future second and a third, a 101. I mean, that's almost basically top 100 pick as well. Uh, I, I love that for the Eagles. Better to have multiple picks this year and next year in the first round. And Mitch, the Eagles are at a spot where you made the playoffs with Jalen Hurts last year, and that is great. But Hurts didn't blow you away, right? Hurts didn't seal the deal as as far as winning that job for the foreseeable future. So, 
you give him another shot this year. You get these two mid-round picks still. You have 15, 18. You go draft players to put around him, maybe some on defense, maybe a pass catcher, whatever it looks like, and you roll it out again next year. And if he really looks good and makes that leap and the team gets better and you feel secure with him as your guy, well, next year you're adding even more around him. But if you don't, now you have the ammo. You've got two firsts. You've got a future, an extra future second. You can go make moves to be at the top of the draft to go get that guy. And that's why I like this for Philadelphia, right? They're thinking about the future. You're giving Hurts another run this year regardless. This isn't the draft to go chase quarterback if you're Philadelphia. So acquire that future draft capital. Let Jalen Hurts convince you one way or the other next year whether he's your future option and if he's not you've given yourself the requisite ammo to go find him the guy or uh you've given yourself pieces to trade away for sure fire players who you know are unhappy in their current situation so i think a great move for philadelphia i mean both ways mitch i think this is a great deal for both teams yeah essentially what philly did was they bought themselves a mulligan they can go out and draft a pass catcher. And if he doesn't, if it's not going to work out, well, we got the capital for the next draft when we're, which it looks like this next year's draft based off what we saw this past college football season should be a pretty darn good draft um, going into next year. If everything pans out the way we think it's going to be. So, you know, they bought themselves a mulligan. If it doesn't work out with this draft pick this year, then they have multiple picks next year to go ahead and try to start to rectify the situation. So um, yeah, a a very fair deal uh, for maybe a a team uh, for the two teams. One of them being uh, maybe it's playing a little bit of a longer game and one that's trying to start the rebuild now. Yeah, no doubt, Mitch. Uh, Let's uh, talk about a contract. One of the bigger names in free agency still out there, Bobby Wagner, who was released by the Seahawks. Uh, about a month or so ago has found his new home and he's staying in the NFC West headed to the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams on a five-year $50 million deal uh, guaranteed money here, Mitch three years, $28.5 million. So not quite at that 10 uh, million per year number uh, that kind of shows in that overall contract. It's a little below that. And I do, uh, I do like this number three years to 28 and a half million. We're talking about a 32 year old Bobby Wagner. So you're locked in until he's 35, but you're not paying him over 10 million a year at that middle linebacker position. I mean, that's like the exact kind of guy that you would want if you're the Rams, right? You're, you're in this win now window. You got to get the best kind of players, uh, regardless of what side of their prime they're on. Right. And Bobby Wagner's the perfect example of that. And I think this is a great signing and a great fit. Yeah. Great fit. Um, the Rams right now are proven to be a team that, I mean, clearly they're in a wit, they're in a win now stage, but a team that just reloads because not only they get Bobby Wagner, they also signed Allen Robinson um, just to give another weapon to Matthew Stafford to compliment Cooper cup. So uh, they lost Robert Woods to to Tennessee, so now they got to re you know oh just reload and go get Allen Robinson, a younger version of maybe what Robert Woods was, kind of that big weapon. So um, I love the signing for the Rams. I love the fit. Um, Bobby Wagner gets to stay on the West Coast, stays in the division, so he gets to to wreak havoc on his former team. So um, 
I, I love the fit, love the signing, and the contract structure seems very favorable for both sides. He, Bobby Wagner gets paid, and the Rams aren't committing double-digit millions to a guy that's on the wrong side of 30. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Seahawks fans are going to hate seeing him twice a year uh, in oh. that Rams uniform. That is going to be uh, a, a tough one. Mitch, we've had a rule change in the NFL. Uh, it's something that's been a hot-button topic uh, after this last postseason, and that is – uh, the overtime rule, right? The uh, first possession wins the game on a touchdown rule. Well, that is changing, but only for the playoffs. NFL owners approved a modified proposal for overtime that will guarantee each team a possession, but only in the postseason. So if the score remains tied in the postseason after each team has had a possession, the game will be decided in a traditional sudden death. But for the postseason, Mitch, uh, no more Kansas City Chiefs Buffalo Bills situation, right? Where the first team that gets it wins the game, uh, and that is it. Both teams will have a shot. Uh, regular season, though, will remain the same. Uh, you know, you win it on a touchdown, you win. Obviously, in the regular season, you can have a tie at the end of overtime, which uh, we obviously don't have in the postseason. So that doesn't change. Uh, but this is uh, a step in this direction, right? The Colts and the Eagles proposed. Uh, mandatory possessions for both teams in all games. Uh, but ultimately there was enough support. Uh, so they changed it to just postseason, and that passed with a vote of 29 to three. Uh, Mitch, what are your thoughts on this? Do you like that? It's just in the postseason. Do you carry the way? Do you even like this in the first place? What are your thoughts? I mean, it's, it's a step, like you said, a step in the right direction. Um, I wish they, I wish it would have just gotten done for the whole season, you know, regular season and postseason. Um, it's still not my, in my personal opinion, not the ultimate goal, which should be shootout style like they have in college. I think that would be the best case scenario. Um, maybe the NFL and the NFLPA doesn't agree with that, but um, it, it's at least a step in the right direction because you, you, know, you, you look back to that Chiefs-Bills game that we had this last postseason and how awesome that was. Uh, there at the end and then we have a situation where the last team to get the ball wound up winning the game um, or if you're the first team to touch the ball in in the in the overtime then you're winning the game just just not that felt it left an icky taste in our mouth after that game so this is this is a I, this is a step in the right direction I don't think it's quite where I would like to see it um, and I wish they would have extended this to regular season as well because um you know, I think we're going to see some really competitive football with all the shakeups that we've seen this off season and maybe some, a lot, maybe a lot of overtime situations where uh, games can be determined by having, you know, both teams have the ball or be determined differently with both teams having the ball in overtime. So step in the right direction, but um, definitely not quite where I would like to see it. Yeah. We'll see, uh, you know, maybe how NFL owners uh, change their view on this in the coming years. If the postseason uh, change is well received, uh, perhaps that expands to uh, the regular season as well, but I'm with you there. I think it's good that something has changed. Uh, and ultimately this is, I think the right thing just so that games don't end in the way that they've ended, which is just so anticlimactic, right. And for a fan experience and for selling a product, it's not the best way for it to go. 
Uh, there are, you know, there's better ways for the overtime to go. And I think that this uh, will help in uh, sort of lead in that direction. There's final bit of NFL news here before we get on to a few other things. And that is the uh, Buffalo Bills have been approved for a new $1.4 billion stadium in Buffalo. It'll be right across the street. Uh, from Highmark Stadium, where they play right now. Uh, work's already begun on this uh, stadium. Uh, it'll be years before it is finished. Uh, the, the expected plan. So first off, this is the uh, this is the most the public has ever been on the hook for uh, in an NFL stadium. I believe the number $850 million in public contribution, the largest public commitment for an NFL facility. Uh, Vegas uh, was 750 million, so 100 million dollars more than than Vegas. Uh, again, 1.4 million total. Uh, but this, uh, you know, it's the stadium's interesting, Mitch. I think you and I are both happy that it is an open air stadium, 60 to 62 thousand seats, and uh, but it's not going to be a dome, right? You play in Buffalo, it's cold. Blistery, right? But they are they're sticking with the open air, which I just love. So easy to just default to an indoor, and I get it, and it's practical, and like it makes sense. I understand why Minnesota did it, for example. I'm not going to fault them for that, but I do love Buffalo sticking with the open air. They know what makes them special, right? And they're and they're sort of uh, feeding into that, and, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, I. <sighs> I, I, I love the situation from Buffalo, right? They get a new stadium and they, they stick with kind of that classic, you know, it's tough to play in Buffalo in December, you know, because we're going to have snow. It's going to be cold. Um, you and I had a conversation about this a couple days ago um, about the possibility of Buffalo getting a Super Bowl date because of, you know, all the new stadiums we've seen over the last few years in the NFL and them getting Super Bowl dates. We saw it happen at SoFi. We're going to see it happen at Allegiant Stadium, I believe, this coming year in Las Vegas. Um, and we, we talked about that possibility. And I know that you were, you were saying there's no way they do it. There's no way they do it. But I think that this would be the perfect place to have a Super Bowl in 2023 or 2024. You, you see the old NFL films uh, of like these old Super Bowls at Lambeau and the grittiness and the toughness of fighting for a championship. And I, I know that's a completely different league now than it was back in the 60s and 70s. But I am going to be a huge proponent for Buffalo to get a Super Bowl date. Um, I, I think it would be make for fantastic football. Um, not necessarily the scoring affair that everyone would want to see, but like a, a really knockdown, drag out, tough gritty play and you know playing a buffalo in february um i'm gonna be a huge proponent of that but you know I, obviously I, I i can imagine that a lot of the nfl and maybe a lot of nfl fans wouldn't feel that way because they want to see the scoring yeah you know and listen mitch i i am with you that they should do it I don't think they will. I don't think there's any way that they I, yeah. actually do it. But I am with you on the prospect of playing games. I mean, we talked about this. I think Lambeau should host a freaking Super Bowl. Like, what are we doing? That's one of the most historic venues in the league, if not the most. Like, what are we doing? How, how are we not hosting, you know, the biggest event in the sports world at this iconic venue just because it's outdoors and it's a cold game. Like every once in a while, that's okay. If once every 10 years, the NFL plays a Super Bowl where the weather isn't 
perfect, right? It's not in a dome. It's not in Miami. Like, I think that's okay. So Buffalo would be uh, a great spot for that. They are expecting to begin the lease on this new stadium in 2026. So that, so we'd be looking at the 2027, 2028 season as the potential Super Bowl. But I'm, I'm with you, Mitch, on advocating for it. 60,000 seats is plenty for a Super Bowl venue. Uh, Obviously, it'll be brand new facilities. Uh, That'd be great. Uh, They will never do it. But it would be great. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen inclement weather in a Super Bowl, even in recent history. I believe it was Super Bowl 41, 06. It was Colts, Bears in Tampa. Monsoon coming yeah. through. That's when the the, the greatest performance, halftime performance of all time. Yeah, Prince, Prince, yes. Like Purple Rain right. and the Rain. Like, it's not like we haven't seen inclement. Right. We don't always have to hold it in a dome or in a stadium that can control the environment. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have to do that. I'm with so. you. I'm with you. Show some respect for the northern teams. It's this southern, some damn uh, southern prejudice from the <laughs> for the north. And that, right, and it's, it's, it's boring when it's in between like four cities every year. Like Seattle would boring. be a cool venue for the Super Seattle. Bowl. Are you kidding me? Like Century, like it's not Century Lincoln Lumen Field. Lumen but like, Field but like when great. it's between Dallas. Yes, you know, it's Arizona, LA, Miami, Arizona. New Orleans, over Houston, over and over. And over. It's stupid. Yes, it's man. dumb. Yes, yes, it's dumb. Let's write a strongly worded letter. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Mitch, uh, that's it for the NFL news. Uh, let's get into a few other things. We got to get an update on uh, the NASCAR season. Mitch, it's been a couple weeks. How about you? How about you break it down for the people? How has it been? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, so we had a race two weeks ago at Coda Circuit of the Americas down in Texas uh, for the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix, which I, I think I think I said a couple weeks ago as uh, first time I've ever heard Grand Prix and a NASCAR event. Um, usually hear that in F1 or IndyCar, but Ross Chastain of Trackhouse Motorsports, owned by Mister Three Hundred Five himself, Pitbull, gets their first win, um, taking the number one home taking the number one in P1 uh, to get the job done. Alex Bowman of Hendrick Motorsports in the 48 takes the third spot. Christopher Bell of Joe Gibbs Racing in the number 20 takes home third. Uh, Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick round out your top five. Uh, another great road course race. Um, road courses are always a lot of fun to watch uh, because of uh, the physicality of them, pr- the precision of it. Uh, it, it was a great race all in all. Controversial move by Ross Chastain there at the end, moving uh, A.J. Allmendinger out of the way. Uh, and Allmendinger, by the way, wound up uh, finishing, let me just double check, in the 33rd position, and he was in the top three there with two to go. So wow. um, it was a little bit of a controversial move because it wasn't a normal you know, bump and run, move him out of the way just to get the spot. It was a flat-out dump. Um but Chastain, hey, you're getting your first W. You do what you got to do. Um, it, when it comes down to two to go to the nitty gritty, you got to do what you got to do to get the W. Um, and this is the way Ross Chastain has raced his whole career. If you hit me once, I'm going to hit you back twice and twice as hard. That's just kind of his style. A little bit of reminisce, reminiscent of a Dale Earnhardt style um, type of racing. So congratulations, Ross Chastain, getting his first W um, last or two weeks ago at uh, Coda last week was Richmond the Toyota owners 400 Denny Hamlin gets the job done for Joe Gibbs racing taking the 11 home 
uh, to victory lane for his first win of the year. Kevin Harvick, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., and my boy Kyle Larson rounding out the top five. Um, again, another great race. This is probably the least exciting of of the previous of, of all the races that we've seen this year, um, but still great racing. Um, so right now, as the as the standings are through the first few races of the year, Ryan Blaney uh, is tops and points right now without a win. Actually, in fact, the top three are without a win. Um, it's Blaney. Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., William Byron, and then Joey Logano rounding out the top five. I believe we've seen six or is it seven races so far this year. We've seen seven different winners. We're starting to talk about uh, with the playoff format being 16 drivers, could we see 16 different winners throughout the course of the year? We're getting into mm. that territory yeah. already. Wow. So that's exciting. Um, and that's exciting for NASCAR, right? Cause you want to build that interest early in the season. The fact that there's been a different winner almost every week, right? That is, uh, I think that's great for viewership. That's great for fans. It keeps you interested in who's going to pull it off this week. Right. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, we're going to see guys that win three, four five races a year. Um, but we haven't seen, I don't think we've seen this many different winners this early in the season. We've always seen a repeat winner by right about now. So um, a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Um, you know, we've, there's, there's a lot of good racing left. I believe next week will be Martinsville, another short track, the half mile paperclip over there in Virginia. So um, it's going to be a, it's, it's, it's going to be a good uh, it's it's going to be a good time over there in Martinsville. And, and I will stand corrected. Um, it is six different winners or seven different winners. So I was, I was on. So seven different winners uh, through the first seven points paying races throughout yeah. the year. So uh, good stuff coming up next week in Martinsville. That's for sure. Yeah. Love Martinsville. It's a great track. Uh, Mitch, uh, speaking of racing, I didn't plan on throwing this in, but I'm, I'm sure you saw this news formula one, right? F one big uh, and getting bigger in the U S uh, seemingly, uh, you know, they have one race that they've been hosting in the United States in Austin since 2012. This year, they added a Miami Grand Prix, which takes place next month in May. And then just this last week, Formula One announced a race in 2023, November of 2023, that will take place in Las Vegas. So that's three races now in the United States for Formula One as they uh, begin to sort of expand the United States on perhaps competing with NASCAR a bit. I do think it's exciting uh, that Vegas uh, track seems like it'll be really interesting. Uh, So I'm pretty, I I think that'll be pretty cool. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I'd have to look more into it. I would imagine their street courses. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, their street courses. So the Miami one, actually, I think it takes place. I remember seeing the map. It takes place largely around Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, with the 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 football stadium uh the vegas one will go down the strip actually around mandalay bay and 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 like a lot of you know a lot of downtown vegas uh which is just exciting i think to have a different style of racing in the united states where we're used to a traditional racetrack you know uh as opposed to the the sort of uh inside uh the city sort of uh setup yeah and and, but these cars it makes sense to do a to do a uh, street race with NASCAR. It just doesn't make sense. They don't have that. They're those cars just aren't built to do that. So, you know, with formula one, you can get away with it. They do street races all the time over right. in Europe. So um, yeah, that'll be exciting to watch. I'll definitely be tuning in. That's for sure to see how those races turn out. But um, uh, yeah, street racing is always a, uh, 
it's a unique concept because you have it's it's gonna it's disruptive of traffic. You have to block off everything, especially in Las Vegas, where it's such a tourist hub. They're shutting down like so, the, a st- huge stretch of the strip. I mean, oh my like, god! Like I just feel bad for the logistics of who has to figure out how the hell to set that all up. But hey, if you're walking down <laughs> the strip and you get to see part of an F1 race, why not? Yeah, so, it's not bad. Yeah. Those hotel those hotel rooms with the view over the track are gonna be worth a pretty I, penny. I, That's all I gotta say. I'm always interested to know how they do ticketing for that for like people that are tourists walking down the strip right and they're witnessing the race but they don't have a ticket to the race i'm always interested to know yeah. how the heck they do that but yeah that'll be exciting stuff to see uh see the stuff in miami and las vegas for f1 be yeah cool. no doubt a couple more things before we wrap up the news here uh what do you want to talk about march madness which wrapped up this past monday the jayhawks of kansas uh winning the national championship over north carolina uh, the Tar Heels, uh, and and this was this was a great March Madness, right? You had the fantastic story of St. Peter's, the first uh, double, the first 15 seed to make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, I mean, incredible story from the Peacocks there, uh, and then the Final Four, right? You had a matchup of Duke and North Carolina again, right? North Carolina upset Coach K and Duke on their home court to wrap to wrap up the regular season. And then in coach K's final game, he falls yet again to his rivals in the Tar Heels and finishes his career with a 50 and 50 record against North Carolina, a perfect split for coach K against the Tar Heels. And he loses in the final four, Uh, Kansas takes care of Villanova and then North Carolina, 72 to 69, to win the national championship. Mitch, I had Kansas winning it all. So this is no surprise for me. I believed in the Jayhawks uh, the whole way. I thought they were the most consistent team, and they showed it uh, throughout this tournament, getting it done uh, when it mattered. What a run by North Carolina, too, for an eight seed uh, to make the run that they did. Truly uh, remarkable all the way to the championship game. Uh, I mean, I know they're a blue blood, so it doesn't really feel like an eight seed. It's not like a Butler eight seed, you know, it doesn't feel the same, but still remarkable uh, for them in their position to, to pull off what they did. Yeah. You mentioned St. Peter's really, uh, and just really quick, Doug Eater has now entered the, entered the transfer portal. Yes. So he yeah. will be uh, transferring somewhere else. I would I'll assume. tell you what, I'll tell you what, BYU fans are already begging for him. <laughs> I've seen them tweeting at him. And the head coach, they're like, please come to BYU. We love you here. We love your mustache. It's get, like, I, you know, one year of Doug Eater at, at his highest peak. Why yeah, not? I, so. I think he's going to be a fun name to watch where he ends up next year for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, you had the Cinderella story of St. Peter's. Uh, I watched a little bit of that final four game between Kansas and Villanova. Um, and Kansas did in the second half against North Carolina, what they did against Villanova the whole time anything in the paint they wanted, they got. Yeah. I mean, David McCormick was just absolutely dominant in that Villanova game. And he was that way again uh, against North Carolina and North Carolina held a 15 point lead at the half. Yeah. 40 to 25 at halftime. And it looked like what is going on with this Kansas team? I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was, it was really insane. Um, but you know what? They did exactly in the second half what they did to get the whole game against Villanova, which is anything in the paint we want, we will get. Uh, they had great perimeter shoot, perimeter shooting. Ochai Ajabi, uh absolutely shot lights out against Villanova. He did uh, a similar thing against uh, North Carolina. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
this was this was the best team in the country actually winning the title when it was all said and done. We it's fun to see the Cinderella runs, the long runs by these lower seeds, but uh, all in all, the best team in the country actually did win the game in the end. Yeah, no doubt. I that's that's how I believe. Uh, I mean, like I said, I had Kansas winning it, uh, but I I mean they were a number one seed for a reason. Uh, the Jayhawks were legit, uh, and they Bill Self. Uh, you know, and his Jayhawks get the win first time since what 2008 uh, that they've won a national title there. So uh, good for Kansas. Good for good for the Jayhawks. Good for the Big 12 back to back NCAA championship for the Big 12 Baylor last year, Kansas uh, this year in 2022. Mitch, uh, it's Masters week. Yeah. It's Masters week, baby. And Tiger Tiger's back and Tiger's playing. He's playing in the Masters this week, which makes it really interesting. Hideki Matsuyama is the defending champion for the Masters just a year ago. And uh, I wanted to mention some of these odds. You have some some Masters uh, odds here, right? Yes, I do. Let's uh, let's kind of talk about this. I just want to get maybe a couple names of guys you're you're sort of interested in who the favorites are going to be in Augusta this weekend. Yeah, so uh, I think... Look, my favorite right now, if you know, my favorite right now is actually Colin Morikawa. I okay, I love the guy, the way that guy's been playing over the last about year and a half. Uh, he's at minus two fifty right now. He's won some big tournaments uh, in the last nine months or so. Um, a guy that when he gets hot, he gets red hot, and I I really like Colin Morikawa here. Um, yeah, minus two fifty. If we want to talk about uh, guys in the plus, uh, Bubba Watson always a factor. He's at plus one or he's at plus one hundred. Justin Rose at plus one ten. Um, guys that are always a factor. But you know, if I had to give my two guys that I'm really my two horses in the race, I'm going Morikawa. I'm going uh, Xander Shoffley. Yeah, I, Shoffley's I really, playing well too. He's playing really well recently. So um, those are probably my two horses in the race, but don't count out guys like Bubba Watson uh, that maybe have been playing not as well of, of late, but always seem to rise the occasion of these big tournaments. So, yeah. And I think there's something to be said about a previous masters winner, right? Automatically I, has an advantage on this course. And that is one of the hardest things I think is for guys to win that first one. Once you've won that first masters, it's a lot easier to win it again. You've, uh, you test, you battled the beast and you've won, you know how to endure the long weekend, right? You know how to recover uh, from those tough stretches. Uh, and that is not something everybody can say. So I, I I'm with you there. And my favorite this week, uh, Mitch is Jordan Spieth. Uh, right now he, he's around sort of the, the, the top group, right. As far as odds goes and favorites to win this, but speed, a former champion uh, who's not going to be the hot name that you're thinking of. Scotty Scheffler is one of those guys playing really well right now. Cameron Smith playing really well right now. John Rom is the favorite in most sports books. It seems like to win the masters this year. Uh, he's the favorite of the one I'm looking at right now. I believe he's the favorite of the one that you have, right? John Rom. Uh, yeah. but I like Spieth. I like him having won the masters already kind of a sleeper guy, uh, kind of emerge on that Saturday, uh, get up to that top group and win it on Sunday. So I like Spieth and, and honestly, I'm saying don't overthink the favorite. I think John Rom has good odds to win. I mean, there's a reason why he's the favorite. I think that's a good spot to go, but my sort of sleeper pick there, I guess I'm going with Spieth. 
Yeah, I mean, it, Augusta's a tough course, and I think a guy that also plays tough courses really well. He's at plus 225 right now, so maybe a little bit of a long shot. But Kevin Na makes mm. some really great shots on tough courses, on, and um, I would really like to see Kevin Na do well as well. I like so. that. Maybe I like even that. another sleeper to have. Mitch, uh, I got one question for you. What are the odds? Give me a percentage between 1% and 100%. That Tiger Woods makes the cut. Ooh, 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 I'm a big Tiger guy. Um, I mean, who is it? Who's our age? Are you kidding me? Who is I it? Mean, oh, I mean, I love Tiger. <laughs> Unless you're a woman, then you probably hate. My wife hates Tiger Woods, and understandably so. But I, I, st- I gotta love the guy anyway. It's one of those things where, like, like when you screw up at home with your wife, you wish you just had Tiger Woods standing around, like, Tiger, tell her what you did. It's like make, make you yourself, look better, make you look better. Um, look, uh, you know what? Because he's Tiger Woods, if it was anyone else coming back from this horrific injury, which by the way, a horrific injury in the car accident he had last year, right? Um, if it was anyone else, I wouldn't be giving him this high of an odds, but I want to go 78%. 78 i okay. think he's got a really good shot to make the cut i mean did you see his practice rounds guy looked really really yeah. good guy looked really he good he so, did he did mitch i'm going 100 there is go! no shot there's no shot that tiger eldrick woods misses the freaking cut at the masters this year are you kidding me come let's go of the decade it's tiger what are we doing he's not gonna win it okay anyone who's like legitimately talking about tiger can win this thing i don't know about that let's like come on but i mean he's tiger can make the cut come on he's going to make the cut he's at minus 120 right now to win it all Uh, so and that's coming off not playing in well over a year so it's crazy crazy yeah masters is fun always Always love the Masters. Gotta gotta stay. You know, you gotta it's, think it's my the favorite TV weekend rating. to watch. It's my favorite weekend to watch golf. It's incredible. You gotta think the TV ratings are gonna be through the roof with Tiger coming back, right? Oh yeah. What do you think I'm doing tomorrow, Mitch? I'm working tomorrow, right? Thursday. Oh, I'm working. Me too. I'm, I'm working. Yeah, with the Masters on the entire time in the background. Are you kidding me? I oh, mean, it's absolutely. the best weekend. It's almost as good as March Madness. That's the. There's nothing better than work on that first Thursday of March Madness when you got every game going on on your phone while you're doing. You're just like, this is the best. Uh, Masters is like that for me. Uh, you know, wake up early Saturday morning to watch it. Incredible stuff. We'll look forward to it and talk about the winner uh, next week here on the pod. Last thing to wrap up the news, and then we've got a top five. Uh, by your boy Mitch Mo out here in these streets doing it, doing it hard. Ducks on the hat, make them go quack, get with the gat, rat a tat tat. Ooh, okay. Bars. Mitch, bars. <laughs> the Kraken. Mitch, you got to talk about our Kraken because the boys are, I think, are finishing the season strong. All right. Since the last time we talked, we recorded last on March 22nd. Since the last recording, they are three and three, splitting their games three to three wins three. Okay, if you add on, if you add on their their last ten games, they're five and five. Okay, so we're 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 doing all right. They're they're trending in the right direction towards the end of the season. Now there's just 
a month's left of games, right? Uh, end of April, Friday, April 29th is the final game. So about a month's uh, worth of games remaining on the schedule. And right now, the Kraken are not in last place in the entire NHL. That would be the Arizona Coyotes and the Montreal Canadiens tied at 49 points. Uh, Kraken are at 50. So, Mitch, the goals, the goals for our Kraken as we ramp up this inaugural season. Stick around that 500 number and stay out of the cellar of the league. We do that. I'm a happy boy. If we do that, I'm, ha- I'm happy with the way the season ends. Let's build some positive momentum going to the next one. You know, we could even not be second worst. We could be third worst because the Blackhawks aren't, haven't been playing well at all since about their all-star break. They're at 24 and 35 and 11 right now. Um, we're at 21 or 22 and 22, 41 and six. So um, I think we're trending in the right direction too. We're headed there. Um, they're, they're playing. They have a tough, ma- they have a tough matchup tonight. They're playing the blues right now. Actually, they just started that game against the blues. Um, so tough matchup, a team, you know, they're, they're third, you know, third in the central division for the Western conference. Uh, that's a tough matchup for them to draw, but um we're headed, we're headed in the right direction. Just don't suck so bad that you wind up last in the NHL. And you know what? We're actually not going to be last in the NHL because we're already better than Canadians. They're Eastern Conference, so we're the only second worst. Just don't be the worst in the West, I think is what yep. we're trying to say. Exactly. That's, that's all. We have small goals here on the Sports Hour for the Kraken. We start small. We build to something great. Let's just not be the worst team in the league. That's Just not too you, much to ask. Don't you forget, we're the official podcast of the, the, of the Seattle Kraken. The official licensed podcast of the Seattle Kraken TM. Uh, that's Mitch, that's going to do it for the news. Uh, let's get to your top five. Well, before we get to the top five down, we got a little housekeeping to do because uh, the pit of misery has been getting a little cluttered. Oh, yes. Getting a little cluttered. Oh, I knocked over my little Chicago Bears birdhouse. Oh, back up. Yeah. Um, it's been getting a little cluttered. And so we got to, we got to release some people back into the public. Got to let them out. They serve their time. It's done. It's over. So, uh, first off, our first, uh, guy getting released from the pit of misery is the guy that voted for big Ben for compact player of the year when it should have clearly been Alex Smith. Um, he served his time. He's done. Uh, LeBron James is out of the pit of misery. Uh, that was for the flagrant faking of a injury to get attention. <laughs> right. Um, we have the college football playoff committee for keeping Cincinnati out of the college football playoff. Clearly they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's about time we let them back out and give them a second op- opportunity at this. Um, and then the media that surrounded big Ben after his final home game, um, is also out. I, I think I was a uh, was a little fired up at the time. They got a nice little short sentence, and they're out. So, uh, to recap, uh, who we have left in the pit of misery? We have the guy that gave Dion Waiters the edibles, uh, the Houston Astros, COVID nineteen, Dan Snyder, Rob Manfred, who is serving the only lifetime sentence without the possibility of parole, uh, James Dolan for being a shitty owner. Patrick Beverly for being a dick. 
uh, Urban Meyer for being a shitty person, Tony Corrente for the uh, oh the uh, the personal foul call early in the season uh, last year in the NFL, uh, Kirk Herbstreet for being a Power Five supremacist, uh, Antonio Brown for being just a flat out crazy person, uh, Grayson Allen for the flagrant foul on Alex Caruso, uh, the Pro Bowl for sucking, Kyle Bush for being a dick. Tom Brady for his fake retirement and our new entrant. And I know it's a couple weeks removed from this, but we, everyone's been talking about it down. We might as well just mention it. Will Smith is going in the pit of misery for <laughs> slapping Chris rock. Um, <laughs> you just can't do that guy. I don't care how offended you are. You just can't do it. So uh, Will Smith, dilly dilly. Uh, you're in the pit of misery. And uh, yeah. Uh, that's all I got, man. That's dilly all I got. dilly. Don't assault people in public on television. I Don't mean, do it. probably you should just avoid was, that. Did you ever think it was fake? Or like, I always thought it was of real. Of course. I mean, listen, when you first saw it, I was like, all right, what kind of bit is this? And then you rewatch it back and you're like, no, this is very real. And now he's resigned from the Academy, right? He's no longer a member of the Academy. I mean, he's got movies from Netflix on hold right now that they're just like, listen, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we, we continue with this. I mean, consequences could get real for Will Smith. And on top of all that, you put him in the pit of misery, the worst punishment of it all. Yeah, it doesn't get worse than the pit of misery. Yeah, it's so. the lowest of lows for Mr. Will Smith here uh, in the pit of misery, Mitch. Dilly dilly, uh, what do you have in store for us? The top five today. Look, actually, I just mentioned this guy's name. You know, we, we've seen a lot of bad head coaches in the NFL, right? A lot of bad ones. And so why not just take a time to shit on all the bad coaches in NFL history. So on this week's edition of Mitch Moe's top five list of the week, we have the worst NFL head coaches of all time. Oh yes. Let's go. I love this. I'm so, ready. I do have a parameter for this performance is not the only factor. Okay. okay. Were they also a piece of shit oh. that, that okay. is also, that will also play factor Fair. into this. Um, some honorable mentions really quick. Uh, Cam Cameron, his time with Miami. Rod Marinelli's time with uh, Detroit. Uh, Lou Holtz also makes this list. His short time with the New York Jets in 1976, in which he quoted, God did not put Lou Holtz on this earth to coach the pros. <laughs> well put, Lou. <laughs> At least he owned up to it. Yeah, right. Um, and then the son of a great, David Shula. David Shula, his time with the Bengals, uh, a 19 and 52 compiled record, his time there in Cincinnati. Um, he was also, fun fact, the fastest coach in NFL history to 50 losses. And John McKay started his career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 0 and 26. And Shula was still the fastest to 50 losses. So just to put wow. that into a little bit of perspective. But Number five on the list, we're going to start with a guy you may or may not have heard of before, Rod Rust. Rod Rust was a head coach, a, a longtime defensive coordinator in the NFL, but got his first big break with the New England Patriots in 1990. Um, after taking over the reins of the, of the Pats, uh, ha just happened to be the worst season in franchise history for the New England Patriots. Uh, the Pats scored 181 points which is the fewest in a 16-game schedule in NFL history. 
compound that with the fact that they were ranked 27th out of 28 teams for points allowed. So they literally almost had the worst offense and the worst defense in the league at the same time. Um, he would eventually be replaced by Dick McPherson, who was a longtime uh, football coach at Syracuse, had a lot of success there. Um, but Rod Rust takes on the number five spot okay. on this list. Number four on this list, Rich Kotite. Um, he, was, uh, he was a head coach of the uh, New York Jets starting in the 1995 season. 1994 season, excuse me. Um, he actually had success in his previous job in Philadelphia. He went 36 and 28 through the four seasons with the, with the Eagles, two 10 win seasons and a playoff berth. Um, but that just wasn't enough to keep his job there. He took a job with the New York jets where he went four and 28. Um, and just seemed to be, a, a, according to multiple people, just completely incompetent in his job. Uh, in 1995, he signed free agent quarterback Neil O'Donnell to a lucrative contract uh, after leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, after their uh, Super Bowl appearance. Um, just absolutely shit the bed with them. Uh, he stepped down after 1996 uh, with the Jets finishing in uh, with a 1-15 in record. He would be succeeded by Bill Parcells in, at, at the end of that season. So... Um, which that's that begins the whole Parcells Belichick controversy in New York. So Rich Cote wow. number four, four in twenty eight, four in twenty eight. It gets worse, Dallin. <laughs> don't you? That don't seems you worry. Pretty bad. It gets worse. Number three on the list, uh, Bobby Petrino, who oh, we know, yes. which who we know more for his uh, college football uh, coaching, which he had a four and forty one and nine record at the University of Louisville. He was hired to take over the Atlanta Falcons. Um, look, not only did the guy just go three and 10, it was a bad team. He tried to, with Vic got into Michael Vic got into some legal trouble. This is about the dog fighting scandal. Uh, he had Joey Harrington as backup and tried to do the best that he could. He, but he went three and 10, didn't make it work. Uh, they also, uh, had, they were also ranked 29th in scoring offense and in defense that season. So 29th in both in or both sides of the ball. Um, here's what puts him at number three, though. Uh, after going three and 10, he just decides he's going to ditch the Atlanta Falcons and go take the job at the University of Arkansas. Instead of addressing the players in person, he leaves a short note in all their lockers doesn't speak to them face to face and bolts out of there to take the the Arkansas job. Wow. A man of uh very little dignity. Um he was <laughs> also then extreme cowardice. Then find to have multiple affairs, uh a married man at the time find to have multiple affairs in fact getting in a motorcycle accident with one of his mistresses oh. uh during this whole time. Uh, he has the very infamous uh, press conference. He has wearing a neck brace and has like, you know, his face all road rashed up and he's doing the press conference. Um, just a, just a piece of shit. He's, you know, this, this goes back to that parameter I talked about piece of shit. Also not very good uh, NFL head coach. Bobby Petrino uh, takes home the number three slot on the list. Number two. And this one was, this one was tough, but uh, number two goes to Hugh Jackson. 
Um, Hugh Jackson, a one-time coach of the Oakland Raiders, then Oakland Raiders, then became the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. His time in Cleveland, 3-36-1, and an 088 winning percentage. Um, over a two-year span, they went 1-31. and Hugh was just – he's not a winner. He just doesn't know how to get it done. There's like – there's like the infamous scene of them in Hard Knocks where he doesn't let them put the stripe on his helmet because you got to earn the stripe. Like, dude, this is the NFL. This is an Ohio State where you earn the Buckeye on your helmet. What are you talking about? Like, give them, put the stripe on their helmet. It was just a bad situation from the get-go. He then leaves Cleveland after their loss to Pittsburgh. Uh, after He had a 2-5-1 two, two, and one start in 2018. Um, he, lo- he loses his job after a loss to Pittsburgh. Then in his first season as the head coach of Grambling State in 2021, he goes four and seven. So guy's just not a winner. He just does not a win. So yeah, that is uh that is tough. I, I'm not gonna lie, Mitch. I'm shocked Hugh Jackson is not number one. So who's but who's number one? Just to accentuate on the piece of shit <laughs> parameter that I put on this list, number one is Urban Meyer. Number one is Urban Meyer. Look, a two and two and eleven record in his lone uh, partial season in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Multiple blunders, gaffes, embarrassments, whatever you want to call it. Let's just look, run through them. Hired strength coach Chris Doyle. Uh, despite Doyle having a pattern of making racist comments and bullying behavior at the University of Iowa. Uh, he caused the team to be penalized by the NFL for excessive contact during OTAs. He berated assistant coaches for, or that he hired in the first place by calling them losers in the staff meeting. Publicly threatened to fire anyone caught leaking information to the media. He tried to make Tim Tebow a tight end. Uh, he kicked Josh Lambeau during warmups of a preseason game. He benched James Robinson. One of the, for or because of an injury only to be later contradicted by quarterback Trevor Lawrence saying like oh, he wasn't injured. What are you talking about? Uh, publicly stated that the team's factored vaccination process into its roster cuts leading to an NFLPA investigation. And then also was socializing with other women in his own bar in Ohio. And then his wife saw it with pictures of him and his family in the background. This guy stinks. Urban Meyer, clearly the worst NFL coach of all time, and it's not even close. As bad as Hugh Jackson was, Urban Meyer takes the cake. Is it is it bad that I think the biggest indictment into how bad of a head coach and how ill-prepared he was for the NFL is none of what you've mentioned, which is all great, uh, but the fact in these recent reports and a big story that came out, I believe, from Peter King, uh, that he did not even recognize star players in the he NFL. Even, including he didn't know who Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald was. Aaron Donald, the best football player on the planet. He was supposedly it, watching no film on the Rams. He was watching film on the Rams. He goes, oh, who's this number 99 guy? Like, how do you not know who Aaron Donald is? Like, like he, he didn't recognize Aaron Donald. He didn't mention, he didn't recognize Debo Samuel. I mean, holy cow. Holy cow. Yeah. Mitch, you know, listen, Hugh Jackson, 
special place in my heart, but Urban Meyer's got to be number one. I, I mean, mean, what Hugh a tumultuous a, end to what like, was just an absurd, an absurd time in Jacksonville. Like, at least Hugh seems like a decent human being. Urban he also Meyer. got three seasons. Like, I mean, yeah. like he was horrible and they actually kept him like for some reason. Like, he must have well, done something right, you know? Right, but like Urban at least didn't he didn't last like a, a season. He seems like a decent guy, at least. Urban Meyer just isn't. He's a we don't have guy. We don't have pictures of uh, Hugh Jackson in his own bar grinding on college girls. What? That's not a common. Not good. <laughs> so, not a good look. Oh, man. Well, that's a great top five, Mitch. Go, roll through one through five real quick again for the listeners. So so number five on the list, Rod Russ for his time in New England. Uh, number four, Rich Kotite for his time with the Jets. Number three, Bobby Petrino, his time with the Atlanta Falcons. Number two, Hugh Jackson uh, with the Cleveland Browns. And number one, that piece of shit, Urban Meyer uh, with his time in Jacksonville. That rounds out your top five. Uh, we'll have a number one, another one coming next week so All i got right. a lot we got a lot of ideas down the pipeline Dylan. that's coming. great well we love it mitch thank you for another great top five what a great list uh this week uh mitch before we hit a mid-roll we got to do some nfl draft talk and get our player to know before the nfl draft uh before we get to that i do want to mention uh one of the more recent mock drafts todd mcshay put out a two round mock draft uh, this, this week. Uh, Some interesting picks from here. I just wanted to highlight mainly in the front half of this Um, starting off with Trayvon Walker, who continues to climb draft boards, right? First, it was mid first round. Now it was top 10. Uh, Todd McShay is him going number two overall to the Detroit lions. So Aiden Hutchinson, number one, Trayvon Walker to Kayvon Thibodeau, number three. I do think Walker is going to go in the top 10. Really surprised to see him at number two. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, And then in the top five as well, the Jets taking Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State at number four with all of the line, uh, all of the offensive linemen on the board there. I find that I would think it's absurd if the Jets took a wide receiver in the top five. Like, at all. Like, there are so many other more valuable positions to take there at the top five, considering you have the 10th pick as well. Should be a great spot to take a wide receiver. Much better for the value. They would have their pick of any offensive lineman at number four in this scenario. Any of the secondary pieces, Kyle Hamilton, any of the corners, like literally anybody they could have there at that fourth position. He has them taking Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, which again, I just, I don't like that in the top five. That seems really rich to me. What are your thoughts on those two things? It seems strange that he doesn't have a offensive lineman going in the top three. Like yeah. you would think that an Evan Neal or an Ikemaquanu would go in that top three to one of those teams, um, to have three end gu- or three edge guys going top three overall. It, it just it it just seems a little bit funny to me. Um, and to your point, it, it, if if there's an offensive lineman available at four for the Jets, they got to take they you know, they got to take one of those guys. They got to protect Zach Wilson. Um, even if one of those guys is gone, like, you know, if Evan Neal's gone, you got to take him. Ika McQuanu. Yep. He, he's shown his vers- versatility to play in all positions on the offensive line. Same thing with Evan Neal, but 
you know, it, yeah, it just seems silly to be taking a wide receiver at four when there's so many good options for, for to put on your offensive line. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And wide receiver doesn't seem like a blatant need for the Jets. Certainly a position they could address, right? But it's not like it's so that, glaringly that, a need that they have to prioritize it over other positions. That the talent is really good, but it's not top five good. Right. So it's like, not Jamar Chase up there available at number four. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. I thought that was really interesting. The other note here, Mitch, uh, it maybe just a personal gripe, but he has the Panthers taking Kenny Pickett at number six. And it's not even, it's not even that he has them taking Pickett. It's that he has them passing up Evan Neal to take Kenny Pickett. Like if the Panthers have Evan Neal available on the board and they pass him up for a quarterback, that's not Malik Willis. I'm, I'm livid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is just Absurd that that Evan Neal is going to be an NFL starter for ten years. What are we doing? What like, I don't what want to que- thinking here. I don't want to question Todd McShay, but like it's very evident that offensive lines will carry teams further in the playoffs. You've seen yeah. plenty of you've seen plenty of teams over all of NFL history make playoff runs, make Super Bowls with subpar quarterbacks. What do they have? A good defense, a solid run game, and a good offensive line. And weapons for you know, and weapons for at least the quarterback to distribute the ball to. They don't have to blow you away. Right. Sam Darnold's not a good NFL quarterback. I don't think he's a good NFL quarterback. But if you can protect him, at least give him someone to throw the ball to, he's going to look a hell of a lot better than he actually is. To take a quarterback at six is absolutely absurd. I, I, shame on Todd McShay. That's a that's quite honestly that's an awful pick. For the, for the Carolina Panthers, take Kenny Pickett that early. Yeah, I did not like that. And I'm with you there on the offensive line value. I just, I'm going to value that so much more than I guess people like Todd Mache and maybe others are just because if you see how important it is come postseason time and, and most notably there, Mitch, only two offensive linemen in the top 10 for Todd McShay. Number five, Ika McQuan, goes to the New York Giants. And then Evan Neal falls all the way down to number nine. Uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Charles Cross falls out of the top 10 there. Uh, I I, I think even Trevor Penning has a shot to be a top 10 pick realistically. I I think it could be three or more offensive linemen in the top 10. Uh, but uh, interesting that stuff for Tom McShay. You'll check out the rest there uh, for some interesting second round picks uh, as he does a two round mock draft. But we're going to do the player to know before the NFL draft. And as I have been trying to do highlight players from outside of the top uh, group of prospects and give you some late mid round nuggets to watch for uh, today. That's exactly what I've got for you. We're talking about a wide receiver, a small guy. A very small guy, but a highly productive college player who has a chance to make an impact, most notably in special teams, but perhaps even more on the football field in the NFL. And that is Devin Tompkins, wide receiver from Utah State. The Aggies up in Logan. I've seen this guy play multiple times as they face BYU over the couple of years. Six or sorry, five foot six and a half, 167 pounds, Mitch. That's a small dude. This is a small human being, but he runs reportedly a four, three, five, 40. And when you run that fast, you're going to be intriguing, right? The 6.98, three cone, 4.18 short shuttle, a 38 inch vertical jump an 11 uh, foot broad jump. Uh, he has the sort of measurables for an athlete that is very intriguing. And on top of that, Tompkins was highly productive 
in college this past season in 2021. Led all of college football in receiving yards with 1,704, 102 receptions, and 10 touchdowns for the Aggies. Uh, And this was not like, he's not doing this with top-tier quarterback play, right? Logan Bonner, the quarterback for Utah State, he's a He's a pretty good college quarterback, I would say. Pretty transfer from Arkansas State, came over the new head coach. He's a pretty good quarterback, but he's, I mean, he's not an NFL guy, right? He, it's not like uh, Tompkins is benefiting from having some top-tier pass catcher out there throwing him catches, right? He's getting it done at his size with below average or average level of play around him. 102 receptions, 1,700 yards, 10 touchdowns for this guy. Uh, and he could do it all. I mean, you see that speed, uh, and I see him making an immediate impact on your special teams as a returner, uh, has some experience doing that in college, and potentially as a project. And I think the teams that see these types of offensive weapons out of college as projects and can uh, design plays to get these guys open, can, can design ways to get these guys the ball in space and let their athleticism work, I think a team like that acquiring a prospect like this could be very interesting. Uh, And we've seen more and more teams. uh, I mean, I just think a two, two Atwell last year, right? He was five foot six, 160 pounds out of Louisville. And he was taken in the second round by the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, second round for a guy that size, we're seeing it more and more common. And I'm not saying Devin Tompkins is a second round pick. He's not even close. He is a, Day three pick, fifth, sixth, seventh round, like maybe fifth at the most. We're being probably a little generous there. But Tompkins is a guy who's highly productive at his size and his speed, competition level around him. I think he has the makings of a draft steal, a guy to keep an eye on. Devin Tompkins, wide receiver from Utah State. I love it. And don't let size fool you. Don't let size fool you. We've seen plenty of undersized guys be productive players in the NFL. First name that comes to mind, Darren Sproles. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he was only 5'7". He might have been about 180, not the 165 weight that Tompkins <laughs> is coming in at. But you know what? The, yeah, the small dudes can get it done. Don't let the size fool you. That yeah. has very little to do with what kind of football player you are. So For sure. And a lot I've, of it is is fit, right? The team you go to and how they're willing to use you. Are they trying to fit you into the mold of what a – traditional wide receiver does or are they using your skill set uh in, in the most effective way and that ultimately i think is the key for a prospect like uh a devin Tompkins. yes absolutely all right mitch that's gonna do it for the first half of the podcast here uh that was the player novia for the before the nfl draft that was the news we're gonna take a break and hit a mid-roll and when we come back a little mlb season preview and a quick look ahead at the NBA play-in tournament and playoffs. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening, but if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour, guys, 
and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Oh, welcome back in the Sports Hour with Mitch Mullen Dallin. Hope you enjoyed that little mid-roll. You can follow us on all our socials that we mentioned there. You can be a contributor to Anchor. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys on anchor.fm slash the sports hour, guys. Um, baseball, Dallin. The season is upon us. It is spring. We're getting started, I believe, on the 8th, which would be this coming Friday. So we got the season coming up pretty quick. Um, a lot of shuffling around with the lockout and everything, the holdout. The, the, all the negotiations, all the free agency happened super, super quick. All the trades seem to happen super quick. Um, but it's this time of year down where we're going to start looking ahead to maybe a little bit of projection, maybe uh, pick what teams we think are going to be there at the end of the year. It's a long, long season, 162 yeah, yes. games. But, you know, maybe we can give a little bit of insight on the long haul of maybe who we think is going to be there at the end, who's going to be in the playoffs, and maybe who the eventual World Series champion will be come October. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just as we did last year and we've done in seasons past, we're going to do a little preview and give you our prediction for who's going to win each division, uh, who will win the pennant in each league, and ultimately who our preseason prediction is to win the World Series in 2022. So, Mitch, let's start in the AL. And let's start in the AL East. And just to look back at the standings from last season, the Rays won this division with 100 wins last year. Yankees and Red Sox had 92 wins, respectively. The Blue Jays had 91 wins, uh, missing out on the postseason. And then the Orioles at 52 wins. Mitch, my pick this year in the AL East, I'm going, I'm going with the boys up north. I'm running through the six with my woes. Give me the Blue Jays. I love this Blue Jays team. Uh, this is a team with a ton of young talent, most notably, you know, the Bo Bichettes, the Vlad Juniors. Um, they added some They added some talent to that rotation and that bullpen. Um, this is a team that's kind of been in the making over the last few years. They've got this young uh, homegrown talent that they've kind of started to introduce to the major leagues. They seem to put it all together last year. They just happened to be in a division with another 90 win team and a hundred win team. So this, and with the Yankees not getting really any better, getting a year older, the Rays not getting any better. In fact, losing talent. They lost Austin Meadows. Yeah. This seems like a team that is primed to take the division. In fact, I will go as far out on the limb to say that this is their division to lose. Ooh. I think that they are the clear-cut favorites. And um, if they don't win this division, I think it's a disappointment for the Blue Jays this season. This is a very, very good young team that I think will be around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, is that like a die-on-the-hill worthy sort of uh, sort of prediction there? Yeah. I'll even put it in blue. Get let me let me put it up there. Let's do yeah, it. Let's I will do it. die on the hill. Are you right. down that hill with I'm, me? I'm with you. Let's do it. Let's okay. both do it. Blue Toronto Jays winning the East. Yeah, because I'm I'm all the reasons you said, Mitch, is exactly right. And I I would say my only caveat with this is don't count out the Yankees, uh, just because there's so much talent on this team that I at a I guess at a certain point they're going to put it all together, right? It's just a matter of like when that's going to be. We don't know when it it could certainly not be this season as they failed to do in seasons past, or it could be this season if they stay healthy and their pieces hit right. 
Uh, you know, the Yankees could be really formidable, but I think the Blue Jays should be the favorite, right? The Rays are going to be up there. I mean, this is still a tough division outside of Baltimore. Still tough. Red Sox are still going to be a really solid team. Yankees, I mean, those are all going to be teams competing for the MLB postseason. But the Blue Jays, with the way that they've built this team, this is their year to take this uh, division uh, and be the leader out the gate. Uh, and I think they're going to be a formidable foe come postseason. I, I'm I'm kind of feeling Toronto this year. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen a regression in the Yankee stars. Like, they had the big burst on the scene. They haven't been able to reproduce it. Um, the Red Sox are the Red Sox. I think that they'll they'll find a way and they'll they'll be an 85 plus win team. We may see 390 win teams again at the top of the AL East yeah. with like a we Red should. Sox team winning like 87 games. Yeah. Like yeah. it's gonna and then Orioles are gonna win like 20 games. Like yeah. it's, it's like it's they're they're bad. But you know that would actually be extremely impressive if they only won 20 games. That'd be incredible. It would be, yeah, it would be incredible. But you know what? This is going to be a hyper competitive division. Yeah. Kind of kind of what like the AL West has been for over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Very, very right. competitive. So. And we certainly saw it last year in the AL East with four teams over 90 wins, uh, the 100-win uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So expect more competitiveness in the AL East, but we're both rolling with the Blue Jays. Mitch, the AL Central, the White Sox won this division last year with 93 wins. The Guardians uh, we're second there under 500 with 80 wins. And then we have the Tigers, Royals and Twins, respectively. All those teams uh, besides all those teams behind the White Sox, the Guardians, the Twins, all within seven games of each other. But the White Sox, 13 games up on the Cardinals in that division. And that pretty much seems like uh, the hierarchy. Right? We talked uh, last uh, week about the Twins potentially being a little sneaky team in there, potentially uh, competing with the White Sox. I think there's some teams that will maybe make them uh, sweat a bit in the division race, but uh, there's no doubt to me that I'm taking Chicago here uh, to win the AL Central. Yeah, I think that another team that might be sneaky is actually the, the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Like they, they have a lot of good young talent. I think that they're still a couple years out. They should be like wild card competitive this year, right? Like the AL East is really strong. The AL West should be strong. So those wild card spots would be hard to come by, but they should be in the mix in the final month. I think think, one of those final spots. Yeah. And it's just because they're young. I mean, they have a ton. They're so talented, but so young. Uh, Dane Perry of CBS who covers the MLB actually has them winning the division. That's a little too rich for my blood. Uh, the Chicago White Sox have been like the Toronto Blue Jays building this team for the, over the last few years. Tim Anderson has now an established um, leader in the clubhouse, an established MLB superstar. Um, I feel like they make the leap right now um, to, to become a division winner and a serious contender in the AL. I really like this White Sox team. No doubt. No, I'm right there with you, Mitch. Uh, AL West, who do you have? When in, are, are you rolling with your A's or with all the fire sales going on? You got to go somewhere else. Look, we spent zero dollars in free agency. Zero. I spent as many dollars in free agency as the Oakland A's did. Look, I, I hate to say it before I get to the before I get to the winner of the division. I hate to say it, but I got the A's in the cellar. I mean, Ooh. we just we Ooh. did. We had a terrible, terrible offseason season. Yeah. Uh, losing all those big stars. And I mean, cool. We reload with, with young talent, but I'm not going to be here sitting, uh, being depressed A's fan, Mitch. 
uh, like it was a couple weeks ago. We're not going to do that. Um, but I just, we'll just state the facts. I don't think the A's – I think the A's will be the worst team in this division. But you know what? I like the Angels. I like the Angels in this division. I think Shohei and Mike Trout and the supporting cast that they have around them, I know the pitching has been really struggle, a, a really big struggle for the Angels um, really over the last decade. But with the with Shohei Otani coming into his own, Mike Trout continuing to be the perennial MVP that he is. They still have Anthony and Rendon at the third base position. Um, great supporting cast around them in kind of platoon roles. I know the Astros might be the favorite, but I like the Angels to get this done in the AL West. I'm I'm an Angels supporter. My whole family is Angels fan. I'm the odd duck being the Nays fan. I'm going to support the Angels doing this. I like the Angels to win the AL West. Oh, no, Mitch. Oh, no. Why? What? <sighs> well, we both picked the Angels. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I'm right there with it. Just You know what this feels like? It just feels like Houston's not winning this thing again, right? Like, the Houston, the Astros sure. have been so dominant at the top of the AL West for a number of years now. They've made they just lost World Korea. They, they just went to the World Series, but they've lost Right. They've lost players. They're not getting better. It, and it, I don't know if the rest of the division is catching up. Right. Are the Angels really catching up? The A certainly aren't. Uh, the no. Mariners, maybe. But like the shit, Rangers, like, is maybe. That, is anyone betting on the Mariners to go to the play? I mean, they have made, they have made the postseason since 2001. I mean, who the hell? Like, I can't in good I, conscience predict them to win it. So I have to go with the Angels because they have the star power. They have the that top end talent, Rendon, Otani, uh, Mike Trout. If if that works, if it stays healthy, if that can work and the rest of the pieces around it are good enough, I maybe it's 87, 88 wins, but I think they could do it. I'm going it's gonna to be the a, Angels. It's a really competitive division. It really is in the top four. I don't think the A's will be super competitive, but like the Rangers added Corey Seeger. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's enough for them to get out of that fourth or third place spot. The Mariners always seem to be kind of like competitive in streaks, but they can never put it all together. The Astros, like you said, they just continue to get worse. The angels have kind of just stayed the course. They've stayed the course. They're like, Hey, this is, this just feels like the year for the angels to get back to the playoffs. And um, you know, I'm going to ride with my family this year. A family full of Angels fans. I'm gonna ride with them. I'm I'm, I'm pulling for the Angels, man, because it, it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an awesome. It's gonna be a lot of fun baseball to watch. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna roll with Los Angeles as well. They're the Angels to win uh, the AL West. Uh, man, I feel even worse that we both picked that. It just now I feel like it's not gonna happen. But that's okay. That's yeah. okay. We 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 both picked Blue Jays, White Sox, Angels to win their respective divisions in the AL, to go to the World Series, to win the pennant in the American League. Mitch, you have the Toronto Blue Jays. This the is their Blue Jays. year. This is their year. I mean, you, you look at, like we said, both young talents in the White Sox. I think the Twins will make might make a wild card spot. Uh, the Mariners or Rangers may make a wild card spot. Um Obviously, that's going to one of those spots is going to be taken up by the Yankees or Rays or Red Sox. That division's wide open, but the Blue Jays are just so far and away the better team right now in my mind. Um, a ton of spark in that young roster. I I really think this is the Blue Jays' year to get back to the World Series for the first time since 1993. 
So, or 90, yeah, 93. No, weren't so, they just in it uh, 2015? Didn't they play the Mets? Or am I mistaken? Or the year after that? I thought they maybe no, made a run. Am I mistaken? They yeah, they weren't in the World Series that year. 20, that was they the must Royals. must have made the uh, ALCS or something. The, the Roy, yeah, they did against uh, the Rangers. They made the ALCS. That's right. That's the right. Royals were the one you were thinking of that. Right, that played, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, give me the Blue Jays. Give me the Blue Jays to win the AL. A little bit of a hot take, but I think the te- the take is right at the right time. So, I like it, Mitch. I like it. Uh, I am gonna go with the White Sox. Mm. I'm thinking Chicago makes a run here and gets to gets to the World Series. I don't think they win it. Uh, I think the NL is gonna have the advantage there, but the White Sox with this young team uh, emerging. Uh, you know, this was a good team last year. 93 wins. Uh, that was good for a third in the AL. I think they make the leap uh, as other teams have sort of declined and they cl- stake the claim as the best team in the AL and they win the pennant. So I'm going with the young White Sox to do it. The AL is so wide open. Like it's so wide yeah. open that it, I don't think there's a wrong, I don't think that was a wrong pick at all. I don't it's think it's very I- hard to predict the World Series uh, participant from the AL right now because it just does seem like. It's anyone's. It, there's no clear favorite in my mind. Yeah, absolutely, yep. absolutely. Uh, Mitch, let's go to the NL. Let's start in the NL East. The Braves win this division last year at 88 wins. Obviously, win the uh, go on to win the World Series. Uh, the Phillies had 82 wins. Mets 77. Marlins 67. And Nationals 65, respectively. I'm going with the Braves to repeat here. The Mets did get better. Uh, Degrom missing the beginning of the season is going to be tough, but they added Scherzer. They have uh, plenty of talent there on the Mets. I think I think New York will be competitive. I think this will be a tight division. Uh, but I'm sticking with Atlanta to win it for a third straight year uh, as they've had a number of successive last couple of years and continue to grow with that young talent there in Atlanta. Yeah, I it's it's hard to pick against Atlanta right now, but I am. I'm going to pick against them. I think that they get in as a wild card, but I'm pick, I'm taking the Mets to win the t- to win the division. Okay. Um, I think that pitching staff gets healthy. You add a Max Scherzer, that's like having two aces at the top of that rotation with him and Degrom. Um, Lindor had the down year last year mm-hmm. uh, in his first year with the Mets, but I think he bounces back. Um, so I, got I think Alonzo. Yes, you still got the polar bear, Pete Alonzo. Um, you know, I think this is a team that that can make a run for a division title. The Braves make the playoffs, absolutely, but in a tight in a tight race, I think I, I take the Mets by by just a little bit. Yeah, no, I do like the Mets as well, and don't count out the Phillies as well to at least be in the wild card mix here. Uh, Phillies with MVP Bryce Harper uh, certainly could be uh, making noise in the NL East. Uh, as well. That's our first disagreement on division division winners so far. We were, uh, we were, you know, three for three in the AL. We already disagree uh, in the NL Mitch. Let's see if it continues here in the central. You have the uh, last year, the Milwaukee Brewers win this division with 95 wins. The uh, St. Louis Cardinals had 90 wins. Reds, 83 Cubs, 71 and pirates, 61 respectively. Uh, I'm going to go with St. Louis to win the division this year. I'm going with the Cardinals to win the NL central. 
Uh, Brewers have kind of been on top for a couple of years. The Cardinals did challenge them last year, just five games back, and it feels like they're kind of right there. Uh, they've brought back Albert Pujols. They've still got Adam Wainwright. I mean, it feels like they're kind of just one last run at it, right? Like one last run with these sort of iconic franchise guys. See if we can uh, do it for old time's sake. And I think it's good enough to like win the division and maybe make a bit of a postseason run. So I'm going with St. Louis to win the NL Central. I kind of want to pick St. Louis, but I'm going to go with Milwaukee here. I, I think that Milwaukee is just, they've built, they, that pitching is so good in Milwaukee. It's so good. And pitching will carry you a long way. Even if they don't win the division and they're one of the wild card teams in, when it comes playoff time, that pitching that pitching will carry you a long, long way, uh, headed by Corbin Burns at the top of that rotation. Um, I love the nostalgia of the Cardinals, right? They're bringing back Pujols, Molina, and Wainwright. Wainwright, by the Wainwright, by the way, probably the most forgotten dominant pitcher of his era. Like that guy just has been so good for so many years, and we constantly forget about Adam Wainwright. Um, but you know what? Give me the Brewers in this one. I think that they stay atop. They got a good, young, talented roster with dominant pitching. Um, Corbin Burns, Adrian Hauser, and the crew. Uh, in that rotation, I, I got to take the Brewers. Yeah. Brewers are good, and they have been good. And, and, and I mean, we're talking about Christian Yelich, who after that MVP season wasn't quite as good last year. And if he gets back to that MVP level, uh, Milwaukee is even better, right? So certainly a dangerous team there uh, in the NL Central. Mitch, let's wrap up with the NL West. The San Francisco Giants won the NL West last year with 107 wins. The Giants, or sorry, the Dodgers had 106 wins. Padres 79, Rockies 74, Diamondbacks 52, respectively. Mitch, come, I mean, it's the Dodgers. It's the best team money can buy. It's the best team money can buy. I mean, they added Freddie Freeman. They have Trey Turner for the full season now. Uh, that uh, the whole lineup is like literally an all star roster. It's uh, it's actually insane. Uh, arguably starting pitching is their, is their biggest question. And I just don't think it really matters. I mean, not like Walker Bueller or this pitching staff is anything to like shake your head at, but it's, uh, you know, maybe the one question that you would have, uh, when it comes down the stretch, who, what does the rotation look like? Who are really the guys? Uh, but I mean, that's something to worry about in October (laughs) for, for the meantime, you're going to win a hundred games, uh, and you're probably going to win this division. That's been the question for the Dodgers the last, arguably the last three or four years. Who yep. are the, who are the guys in the rotation? Because they've had like eight or nine guys they could just plug into that rotation right. and not miss a step. So, um, you know, you're yeah, it, it's the Dodgers. I mean, it's like I said, the best team money can buy, and they've positioned themselves well to to be in this spot. And you know, San Diego and San Francisco are probably going to battle for a wild card spot. I think no one saw San Francisco being as good as they were last year. Um, But, you know, LA is definitely the dominant team in this division and they should run away with this one. Um, It's really just going to be a battle for second to see maybe who gets that last wild card spot. So give me, yeah, give me LA. Yeah. I'm with you there, Mitch. Uh, NL who's winning the pennant in the national league in 2022. You know what, Dallin? I'm taking a wild card team here. I'm going with the Atlanta Braves. Braves? 
I think Going we have World a World Series again. We have we have a rematch of the 1992 World Series, Toronto and Atlanta. I like the Braves to get it done from the wild card position. Okay. I I like the Braves, like you said, young talent. They're red hot off the World Series victory. They may not get the division in the long haul, but damn it, they know how to turn it turn it up when the time is right. So I like Atlanta beating LA in seven games that NLCS. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Braves have gone to back to back NLCS uh, these past couple of years, obviously beating the Dodgers last year and on their way to a world series victory. I do. Uh, I do like that. I, I think if there's anybody in the NL that I think has a legitimate shot, uh, it is the Braves outside of the Dodgers. And that's who I will obviously pick to win the NL, not only as a Dodgers fan, but I mean, just uh, with the team where it's at, uh, it's just hard to pick against them at this point in the season until we see uh, sort of how things play out. So I have Dodgers white Sox in the world series. You have blue Jays and Braves. Give me a very early before the season world series prediction. Who's winning it all between the blue Jays and the Atlanta Braves. A battle of hot shot, young gun teams, tons of young talent. Give me the blue Jays in seven. The blue Jays bring home the title for the first time since 1993, I like the Toronto Blue Jays to win the World Series this year. Blue Jays over Braves in seven from Mitch. And I am going to go, no surprise here, uh, Dodgers. You homer. Over you homer. I mean, come on. It's not even a homer when you look at the roster. I mean, come on. Dodgers over White Sox in six games. That's what I'm going to go with. Well, you uh, Lakers fans said, look at the roster. We might be there, you know. No, I didn't. Go. Not with Russell Westbrook, I didn't. No, I sure as shit didn't say that. I don't know that. about that, Dallin. I thought they'd be a playoff team. We'll get to the Lakers here in a second as we talk about the playoffs, unfortunately. But that's it for the MLB predictions. Uh, we're looking forward to the season. It did seem like for so long that we weren't going to even get a season, right? There was so much doubt as the lockout occurred and what was going to happen. Good to see things get worked out. Uh, season pushed back just a week. Uh, and here we are, beginning of April, ready to start another 162 season, uh, major 162 game season of Major League Baseball. You'll love to see it. Uh, Mitch, let's get into the NBA here. And we just want to kind of take a look at the standings, uh, where things sit within the final week of the season. Uh, what uh, maybe to su- expect in, for some of these playoff matchups, and maybe more specifically, uh, what we're looking at for the NBA play-in tournament, Mitch. I want to start. Uh, I want to start in the uh, in the East, uh, where we have sort of the most clarity right now. And we're going to start by focusing on the teams that are locked into the playoffs, uh, and then uh, and then we'll talk about the play-in tournament, which will actually take place uh, next week, uh, the twelfth through the fifteenth. Just a clarification on the play-in tournament for those who aren't familiar or don't remember. This is how the play-in tournament will work. The seventh place and eighth place teams will play. And the ninth place and the 10th place teams in the standings will play seven and eight will play. The winner secures the seven seed in the playoffs and will play the number two seed in their respective conference. The loser of that game has another shot and they will host the winner of the ninth and 10th game. So the ninth and 10th game winner moves on to the next round, has another shot, has to win a second game. The winner of that matchup will then be the eight seed 
uh, in the playoffs. So that's how it works. Seven versus eight, nine versus 10 winner plays loser. And that's how we determine the seeding. So let's start in the East Mitch and the six teams that are locked in for the normal playoffs outside of the play in tournament. And that is from one to six right now, the Miami heat, Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers, Toronto Raptors, and Chicago Bulls in that order. So those teams will avoid the play-in tournament. Uh, Miami has a two-and-a-half game lead over the over the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers right now for the number one seed. And with one more win on the season, Miami will secure the number one seed uh, in the East and that uh, home court advantage throughout. Uh, the Eastern Conference playoffs. That's big for Miami, uh, but they're likely locked in at number one. But number two through four right now, Mitch, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, all tied right now at 49 and 30 with just three games left. So movement there for any of those teams. So we don't really know the matchups uh, in those respective seeds. Who's going to get a play-in team? Uh, who's getting the 4-5 matchup? Uh, remains to be seen. The five and six right now, Toronto is a game up on Chicago for the five seeds. So there's uh, a, a possibility there with three games left for both of those teams that they switch. But those are the top six teams locked into the playoffs right now. Are there any surprises here? Or anything that you find intriguing about where this sits with just three games remaining? I mean, I think we were talking about Cat, uh, Cleveland being one of those teams that might be in that top six just a few weeks ago, uh, serious collapse. They've been three and seven over the, you know, over the last 10, nine and 21 on the road so far this year, but um, outside of them not being in the top six now, I mean, all these teams have really just played good basketball the entire year. The heat have been one of those teams that have continued to play well. Um, the Celtics, we knew that were going to be a contender. Uh, same thing with the bucks and, and the Sixers. Um the Bulls Toronto is the one team that came out of nowhere. Slow start. Exactly. Yeah. Slow start to the season for the Toronto Raptors. And they've just surged behind the rookie Scotty Barnes from Florida state. Uh, the number four pick in the draft this past year. And he has really emerged, especially in the second half of the season, a legitimate rookie of the year candidate. And he has this team playing at a, at a very high level. I would have been very surprised after the first couple of months of the season. If you told me Toronto was going to be locked in, as a top six seed in the East. Uh, but here they are. They've passed the Bulls, the Cavs. I mean, the Nets. Uh, incredible stuff by Toronto to sort of turn this thing around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they really are the only team out of the top six that, that are super surprising. I don't think we saw the Bulls playing as well as they did early on in the year. Obviously, we had like the DeMar DeRozan uh you know, explosion where he was playing out of his mind there. MVP talk. I mean, he, I mean, and let's be they, honest. They were, we, we they were, were one, they were a one, two, three seed there yep. for a while. So, right. um, but yeah, the Raptors really the only ones that are super surprised with us, uh, with me at least um, that are, that are in this top six um, come close to playoff time. Yeah. If you had, and this is a little early. If you don't have strong convictions on this, that's fine. If you had a favorite in the East right now to go to the NBA finals with the way that the standings are right now. And again, we don't know matchups yet. You know, if uh, Milwaukee ends up in the four and has to play Miami in the second round, right? That's a whole different scenario than being the two and having, you know, a play in team or whatever. So scenarios aside, do you have a team here in this top six that you feel like is your favorite to come out of the East in the playoffs? I would like to say the Bucks. I would like to say the Bucks, but I'm going to go with the Heat. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Heat. I think they're hungry. I think they're hungry. They 
They had the down year after making the finals the previous year. Um, they are a team that, man, they, they've got that taste of it already. And Jimmy Butler, you know, one of the most probably vindictive players that we've seen over the last few years that's out for blood when he wants it. Um, he wants to get back to that, wants to get back to that. And they're playing well enough right now that I think they could get there. I, I like the Heat. Uh, as my favorite, and not just because of the one seed, but because they're a young, a hungry young team. I think they can get there. Yeah, Mitch. You know, I think it's really between Miami and Milwaukee right now. I think Boston is a sleeper, uh, could potentially make a move. We just never really seen them reach that. Where the Heat and the Bucks. I mean, those are the last two teams from the East to make the finals, right? So we've seen that from that. I mean, shit. Even uh, Toronto, uh, you know, more recently made a run than than Boston has, and certainly with this young group. So. I don't trust the Sixers, uh, Harden's status. Uh, if it's Joel Embiid carrying this team, he cannot carry them to the finals. If he has support, they are a finals team. Uh, I do question, though, what that'll look like. And, uh, of course, the Doc Rivers factor in all that come playoff time. Uh, but, yeah, to me, it's between Milwaukee and Miami, and I would lean Milwaukee right now. I think Giannis is the MVP. I think Milwaukee should be the favorite as the defending champs. Uh, but Miami... Uh, Milwaukee, if Milwaukee can avoid the four seed and end up as a two, three best scenario for me, because then we get the possibility of a Miami Milwaukee Eastern conference finals, right? If they end up in the four, then those two teams are going to see each other in the second round, which would be good. I'd rather have that in the conference finals. And I believe those are the two best teams and that's how it will uh, come about. So Miami Milwaukee, but I'm going to, I would say I'd lean Milwaukee, uh, right now, as far as a favorite, uh, as far as the play in tournament, Mitch, uh, Cleveland is the seven seed right now, game and a half up on Brooklyn and Atlanta, respectively, both those teams tied at 41 and 38. Uh, so still movement there. Charlotte's 11 and or sorry, just a, a game back of Atlanta and Brooklyn respectively. So uh, there's a lot of movement here. Uh, you know, Cleveland's probably hosting that first play in game as a seven seed best chance to uh, move on as the seven seed there. But I mean, it could be Brooklyn, Atlanta, Charlotte as the eight. We don't really know how this uh, will shake out. So give me the one team out of these four that you would feel most confident in in a first round matchup. In a first round matchup, like having gone through the play in tournament, you're playing one of the top two seeds in the East, which team, if they get through that, would you feel most confident could, uh, could have a shot at an upset? Don't sleep on the Hawks. Thank you. We're, Don't sleep on the Hawks. This was an Eastern Conference Finals team just a year ago, and it has not been the same season for Atlanta, right? 41 and 38, they certainly started slow, and it's something we even talked about here on the podcast, but they've turned it around. Trey Young has played at a super high level this whole year. And yeah, Mitch, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I'll tell you this right now. If it's Boston or if it's Philly in the two spot and it's Atlanta in the seven, I might take the Hawks. Hell yeah, I might, you would. I Hell might yeah, take the Hawks in that matchup. So don't sleep on Atlanta. I'm right there with you. Yeah, don't sleep. I mean, this is a team that has dug themselves out of the hole that they dug. Yeah, that they dug themselves into to to start the year. I mean, just a a, a scrappy. They're scrappy, man. And I, I, yeah, I, I don't have any other words for it. Don't sleep on the yeah, Hawks. Don't I like sleep it. On them. 
You know, it is interesting. Mitch Brooklyn entered this season as uh, probably what the favorite in the East to go to the finals, maybe behind Milwaukee with the, with the star power that they had. And obviously they make the big move, sending hard into Philly and getting back uh, Ben Simmons. But uh, you know, I, I'm not convinced that Brooklyn even makes it out of the play in tournament. I like, I'm serious. Uh, yeah. You know, you have one game, right? A one-off game. Anything can happen. Right. We've seen it in the MLB play in game. Right. One game. Anything can happen. It's not always like the best team that makes it through Uh, Charlotte, Cleveland, Atlanta. Any of those teams can knock off Brooklyn in that one game with the Brooklyn Nets missing the play in. And don't forget. Right. I mean, KD. Right. Whatever. He's great. Whatever. Like I get that. But this just happened to the Warriors last year. Steph Curry missed the playoffs last year through the play in tournament. Right. They got bounced by Memphis. They didn't even get in. So it's not just a lock when you see some superstar in the play-in that their team is going to be able to uh, make it to the playoffs. We saw Steph and the Warriors miss out last year. Don't be shocked if the Nets miss out on the playoffs this year and don't get it done in the play-in tournament. It will be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to see. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm definitely with you. Let's move over to the Western Conference here where things uh, are a little less clear uh let's start with the playoff teams uh five there's five set playoff teams that are going to avoid the play-in tournament right now uh from one to five they are the phoenix suns memphis grizzlies golden state warriors dallas mavericks and utah jazz the uh, suns are locked into the number one seed 63 wins on the season so far Eight games up on Memphis. I mean, the Suns, holy cow. Franchise record, 63 wins. What a two-year stretch for the Phoenix Suns. An incredible two-year stretch for Phoenix. Uh, It has just been uh, truly, truly remarkable. Uh, They're the number one seed. They are the clear favorite in the West. I think it's it's the dangerous team to to avoid. Uh, But things are going to, you know, there's still a shot in this sixth spot, right? Denver right now locked in as the six seed in the Western conference, 47 and 33, they have just two games remaining. Uh, Minnesota, the Timberwolves, 45 and 35. They are currently the seven seed, just two games back, but Mitch, they do have the tiebreaker over the Denver Nuggets. So if Denver goes 0 and 2 and Minnesota goes 2 and 0, Minnesota will be the six seed and Denver will be the seven seed in the play in tournament. So as of this moment, as we're recording this on April 6th, there's still movement here. Now, if Denver wins a game, they'll solidify themselves as a top six and they will avoid the play in for sure. But there's still a possibility uh, Minnesota sneaks in there. Uh, but let's focus on those top five teams there. Uh, Mitch, we did this with the other uh, teams. Golden State right now is a game up on the Dallas Mavericks for that number three seed. That would be that this is an important spot, right? Because you want to avoid the four seed. You want to avoid the four five, realistically, because the four five matchup is going to put you against Phoenix in the second round, right? And you just want to avoid that. So for Golden State, Dallas, uh, even Utah, maybe you're thinking moving back to six is better if you're the Jazz than being the five, right? I mean, just to avoid Phoenix in the next round, potentially. It'll be interesting to see over these last couple games how teams play this out. Do they lose? to try to, you know, avoid a certain matchup? Uh, are they going balls out to get wins just to avoid certain matchups? So who gets that three seed there and will face Memphis in the second round is intriguing to me. Is it Golden State? Is it Dallas? Uh, that's kind of one thing I'm watching here in the West. 
Well, losing games to get a different seed just seems dumb to me. Just dumb to me. I mean, why wouldn't you just try to go out there and get wins and and hold and hold the pace? So, um, I I mean, I really want to see a Suns Warriors Western Conference Finals, and I think that that might be what we see if the seeding falls right. But like falling back to six just to avoid an opponent just seems it it seems dumb to me. I mean. you're the NBA guy. Explain to me why you would throw a game to, to get a lower seed to avoid a certain opponent. I I just don't, I just don't, that doesn't calculate in my head. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm with you there. I'm just saying I, teams might try to avoid certain matchups that are more favorable than others, right? If there's a team you saw in the regular season, you were 0 and 3 against them. You want to see them come playoff time? Would you rather have a different matchup? There's still some posturing to be had there. Uh, but as far as favorites out of the West, Mitch, I mean, it's, it's got to be pick, the Suns. It's right? hard to pick against Phoenix, yeah. It's hard to and, – and listen, like I love Memphis, right? 55 and 24. What an incredible season for the Grizzlies who snuck in as the eight seed last year in the playoffs. And we talked about them this year as a team that was going to make that jump. If Jock could make that leap – to next level player, which he has, and this team could join him, which we talked they about have, that, yeah. that they would be legit. And here they are as the number two seed in the West uh, and will be a tough out. But when they just haven't been there yet, it's going to be hard to bet on them. Warriors are banged up and everybody else, Dallas, Utah, Denver, Minnesota, they're all sus, right? They all have big question marks. Phoenix is kind of the only team that really doesn't have question marks. We know what they are. They were a finals team last year and they proved in the regular season. They're the best team in the league. So uh, it'll be hard to pick against Phoenix. I definitely uh, am with you there. Phoenix, the favorite out of the West, as far as the play in tournament, Mitch, uh, as I mentioned, likely going to be Minnesota, the seven seed. Uh, And then you've got the Clippers who are locked in as the eight seed. Uh, And then, the Pelicans and the Spurs respectively at nine and 10, those two could still technically swap. They're just a game out. Uh, that would just mainly, de- that would only determine who is, gets home court advantage in that playing game uh, between the Pelicans and the Spurs. But those are the final two teams there. Uh, Mitch, as far as uh, the question we did for the ease, the team that you'd feel most confident in if they were to get through uh, to me, this is just simply who gets the seven seed. If it's Denver, Minnesota, that's the team I feel most confident in uh, New Orleans, San Antonio, even the Clippers. Uh, and like unless Kawhi comes back and all of a sudden he's like MVP Kawhi. Uh, I just don't see how anybody else would have a real legitimate shot outside of Denver, Minnesota uh, with a Memphis team that is young and inexperienced. Yeah, I mean, the 8, 9, and 10 seeds right now as they stand just don't feel like they're up to par with whatever the Nuggets or Timberwolves, whoever's going to be the 7 seed, is going to be there. So, like, you know, whether it's Denver or Minnesota, whoever the 7 seed is, that's the team I'm most comfortable with. Um, You know, L.A. and New Orleans and and San Antonio just aren't there with that other team. So, as it stands right now, it's Minnesota. But if it's Denver... In that seventh seed, you know, come playoff time and come playoff tournament time, then then it's Denver. So it, it's just whoever is the seventh seed at this point is going to be the team that I'm most comfortable with because they're head and shoulders above uh, the other three participants in that tournament. Yeah, 100%, Mitch. And uh, I would be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, the epic, shameful, 
disgusting. Just d- just just stupid collapse and season that the Los Angeles Lakers have had officially out of the playoffs, 31 and 48. I mean, M- Mitch, can we put him in the pit of misery? Can I put the whole Lakers franchise? Oh. Or I want the whole organization in the pit of misery. Gladly, gladly. Because this oh is emb- this is embarrassing, and it's not. There's not one individual that is to blame. There are many people to blame. It's not just LeBron. It's not just the roster. It's not just the front office. It's not just the coaching. It's everything. Everything went wrong this year for the Lakers. And a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the pieces that they have around them should not be, cannot be, the 11th best team in the conference. Anything like that is an absolute catastrophic failure. And that is what this season was for the Los Angeles Lakers. There's no other way to put it. It is embarrassing to be a Lakers fan right at this moment. It is embarrassing. And it's dumb. And I hate it. Lakers <laughs> in the pit of misery. They don't deserve to be in the playoffs, right? Like they don't deserve. I, I'm glad that they're not in there because they would just embarrass themselves and lose a game. It's a shame. Lakers need to figure shit out. Uh Trade LeBron or keep him until Bronny comes in the league. I don't know what's better. Uh, it's bad times in L.A. No direction. Bronny's uh, still three years out, right? Why is Kurt Rambis making decisions? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. Well, because Kurt, Kurt Rambis is Will Ferrell, and Will Ferrell does whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> so, Oh, Mitch, yeah. It's, um, it's tough times in Tinseltown. I don't, I mean, I don't feel bad for you. You shouldn't. Like, no, like, you shouldn't. I, like, I'm just going to be a friend and be honest with you. Yeah. I don't feel bad for you. Like, like you put all your hopes in on a, and I, in quotations, big three. Yes. Um, that should have been LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook. And you fooled yourself into thinking that you could be a top seed in the West. I don't feel bad for you. I don't feel bad for Lakers fans and I don't feel bad for the Lakers. You deserve this. You deserve the 11 seed right now. You deserve to be 11th best in the West because you put false hope into something that you thought might happen. This is what happens with big market teams that can afford teams. They, uh, they pay the big players all the money. It doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't always work out that way. That's why I have a problem with big threes. That's why I have a problem with with teams like the now not to put your Dodgers on blast, but teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees, or uh, you know even the Kansas City Chiefs. You know these big market teams that are just able to buy their teams. I have a problem with it. Big market teams should go in the pit of misery for all I care because you know what they don't figure it out more often than not. It's very rare that they actually do. I mean, is that Man. true though? Is that is that true? I'm gonna push back on that a little bit. And listen, I am okay. I'm, I'm 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 all on board with big market hate. Trust me. Like, listen, I, and we talked about this plenty with the MLB conversation, right? As a Dodgers right. fan, do I love that we can sign whoever we want? We have the money. Yes. Do I think it's absolutely unfair for the league as a whole? A hundred percent. It's dumb. It should not be that way. 
it should not have a competitive advantage in that way. But I will push back. They do get it done more than any other franchise, Mitch, because you can name a number of small market franchises that have never even been to an NBA championship, let alone even won one. And there are people out here talking about how the last four years of LeBron James in L.A. has been a disaster. It has not. They won a championship. That was the goal. You you paid LeBron well, James. You brought in Anthony Davis. And the goal was that with them there, they would bring you a chip. And they did it. So it they, has to be a success. Like, has everything else been good? No. But that has to be a success. It certainly couldn't be a failure if you've won a championship in the last four years. It could not be a failure. And there are many organizations like the Utah Jazz and this here valley I live in that would love to even just go to a finals, let alone win one. So I will push back on them not getting it done more often than a lot because they do luck into it. But sustained success, this model of building a team does not sustain success. And that's what we're seeing with this Lakers team. The, the heights, yes, they reached them, that they were very short-lived. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I, I guess that's fair. But, I mean, we, we, oh, I hate to do this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this, Alan. Did the did the Lakers win in a regular 82-season game? It doesn't matter. Mitch, 80, I, game I, I, this, the bubble asterisk is the dumbest shit in the world because any other fan base wins the title that year and they're not talking about no asterisk on their NBA championship. No, right? but it if happens that, because it's the Lakers. Well, that's my point. That's why it's dumb. If the Utah Jazz... It's dumb to a Lakers fan asterisk, not anyone else. If the, if the Utah Jazz win a championship, no one's saying asterisk season. If the, because it, the no, it's because it's the Lakers. Is it an asterisk? No, well, it's that's because, even dumber. Well, then you're making because, my point that it's dumb. It and shouldn't no, it's matter that it's it, the Lakers. It's, it, it, no, it's dumb because it is the Lakers. Because there have always been a big market team. That's why it's dumb. That's they why it's just, dumb that they won the championship that year? I don't understand. Why that year in particular? You know why that year in particular? Because of the bubble that somehow because benefited the Lakers? I don't understand a, how that a, benefited a, the Lakers. Format. It was a format Look, down. I don't understand how it benefited anybody. What's the argument here that it shouldn't count? I don't get it. It makes no sense. No, I'm not saying it should count. Other 29 franchises won an NBA championship. There's no asterisk. We shouldn't even be talking about an asterisk season. We shouldn't. I'm not. It's not an asterisk. I'm. I'm I'm not saying it shouldn't have counted. But I'm. What I'm saying is, is that if you put them in a tournament setting. It's like the it's like the NCAA. More often than not, the bet the best team in the country wins. Right. Right. And the and the Lakers and won you, and the Lakers lost like two or three games over that entire playoff run that they won that championship. But you're you telling me that didn't prove it? I mean, they played the tournament. You're saying play them in a tournament. They played a tournament. They played a playoff bracket. It wasn't any different than any other year. They played the same amount of games. It's not like they had less games to win. They didn't, ha- they didn't have the grind. They didn't have the grind. They didn't have the grind? No, of they what? Didn't. They were just quarantined in of a hotel a for three months after taking like of four months season. off. They took four months off. They didn't play from March until August. They pick up play in August and they win a championship, but somehow it's not hard enough. That's what we're saying. It wasn't hard enough. Every team, every every sport was going through that. Dallas. Exactly, which is why it matters. That's why it counts as a championship because everybody had to go through it and they won it. 
that's that's how it works. That's how every season works. Every season's different. Whoever outlasts everybody at the end wins. That's what the Lakers you're, did. You're, you're right. No the different. Same, you're, you're, no different than what the Bucks did nope. last year. It's I, not. It's the same thing. Okay, I no, push back not. on asterisk. You, you're just Lakers haters who say this. And listen, if your team, if you sound Sacramento like such a Kings, Lakers fan right if now. The you Sacramento sa- Kings won the championship of the bubble. Nobody is. You, you, you're telling me Kings fans. Well, the Sacramento like, Kings should have won a championship. Oh we got yeah, but it was Tim Donahue oh, in the Lakers series. Oh, Are you it was kidding a bubble. me? It was a bubble, so it doesn't count. Come on. No, but the other one we got paid off. Shut up. Stop it. <laughs> I'm talking about the bubble. What are you talking off. about? You can't compare the Sacramento Kings and the Lakers. You can't do that. That's unfair. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch we're going it. off the rails here. The, suffice it to say, the Lakers are in the pit of misery for good reason. I'll let you know when I feel like they should come out because I think they need to be in there for like most of the offseason. Lakers forever, are if I, it, forever if I'm concerned because <laughs> I'm the warden, so I'll let it out when I from, damn well feel like it. All right, I'm just saying, like I asked to put them in. I'm, you know, maybe I just get a bit of. Uh, I'm not saying I got the determining factors. You're, you know. You're a pit of misery. You're the warden. But, you know, just maybe I'll suggest when I think, uh, you know, good time for them to to be released. We'll see. We'll see. Lakers down bad. Just glad they're not in the playoffs, honestly. They're just an embarrassment at the end of the season. Yeah, but, they stink. Yeah. Uh, playoffs, are the, the regular season will wrap up this weekend on Sunday. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the play-in tournament with the 7 through 10 season each conference will take place April 12th through April 15th. The NBA playoffs will begin on April 16th. So we'll have more uh, as we get the official stand, you know, the official seating for the playoffs uh, next week. We'll be able to talk about the play and tournament games uh, and look ahead at some playoff matchups. So look forward to that uh, in the coming weeks as we uh, cover the NBA playoffs uh, and a uh, great time of year. The NBA playoffs are a great time. I think uh, one of the better postseasons out there, I think, uh, uh, maybe past the first round. The first round is usually pretty rough, uh, but once you get into the divisional round and stuff, uh, NBA playoffs, a lot of fun, but uh, Mitch, that wraps it up for the NBA. And I think that wraps it up for the podcast, right? Yeah, that'll do it. That's that's, do it. That's all we got. That's, that's it. That's, that's all we got today. So, uh, you know, appreciate you guys sticking around as you already know. And if you don't already, Please follow our social medias. The Twitter is at Sports Hour Guys. TikTok at the Sports Hour Guys. The Instagram is at the Sports Hour Guys. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lil Thoink. Check out the website, wordpress.thesportshourguys.com. You can check out all our content on there. And Mitch, remind the people about Anchor. Anchor is the number one place that you can become a part of the conversation. Go on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys. You can check out all our content on there and you can also become a part of the conversation. Go ahead and leave a voice message on there. If you have a question that you want me and Dallin to answer here live on air, we will play your question. We will answer your question and you can become a part of the conversation. Um, you can also listen to us anywhere that you get your podcast. That includes Anchor. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get it. Go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we can get better. Uh, leave us a voicemail, a uh, voice message on Anchor. We'd love to hear your thoughts on 
uh, anything that we talked about on the podcast or anything that you come about uh, in your week that you uh, want to get our thoughts on or share here, sports news that maybe we missed, uh, we'd love to hear from you on there. Well, until next time, guys, uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Mitch, bring another great hat next week. You always bring a good hat. Bring it. Let, let's let's bring another minor league hat next week. I'd love to see what you got in store. You do that. Corpus, Corpus Christi hooks coming to you next. Week. Corpus Christi. Okay, you love to see it. We we'll look forward to it, uh, and we will catch you next week. See ya.